Live from Chatterbox Sports Studios, it's Off the Bench with Tom Brenneman. Good morning, good morning, a pleasant good Wednesday morning. Hump day, getting ready to roll right into the start of our holiday weekend. And Merry Christmas, Happy Holidays to all. We welcome you to Off the Bench, presented by our friends at United Dairy Farmers. I'm Tom Brenneman, along with Casey McAllister. Casey, good morning. Good morning, Tom. You're bengled up, ready to go? Yep, ready to go. Ready to go. Here Always we go. Getting ready to get ready to get ready. That's exactly right. Elliot, let's go. Reed, how we doing, man? To, listen, Tom. Sometimes when you go to the basketball court, you know you got to play a game. You just you're oh, feeling it when you're warming no up. No doubt. That was us today in our pre-show meeting. We are ready to go. Ready it's going to be a go. great one, Tom. Well, we're going to find out if you're ready to go. <laughs> I mean, it's one thing to say it; it's another thing to go do it. That's right. Right. right? You can have That's theoretically fair. all the planning in the world, but then there's the key word, which is execution. That's right. All right. You can find us. We come your way Monday through Friday, 10 to 12. That's Eastern time. You can find us on YouTube slash Chatterbox Sports page. We are broadcasting live on Twitter at Seabox Sports. If you'd rather join us in podcast form, many of you do thousands by the day. Just search off the bench with Tom Brenneman and you're dialed in. The Bengalis in full prep mode starting today for Saturday's AFC North Clash with the Pittsburgh Steelers. Think about where we were just the last time these two teams got together. Think where Jake Browning was when compared to now. Bengals had lost two straight games. They lost Joe Burrow for the year. Browning was going to be a starter for the first time ever in one of the biggest games of the season. Of course, Cincinnati and Browning lost that one, 16-10. They ran the ball a total of eight times in the game. Tough sledding, we heard, against those Steelers from Zach Taylor. Now here we sit with a team on a three-game win streak. Browning has been one of the best quarterbacks in the history of the NFL through his first four career starts. Those numbers are facts. He has three straight wins over three straight playoff teams. Well, that's all fine and dandy, but they need another one this Saturday. Kickoff is set for Saturday at 4.30 Eastern time on NBC. We'll hear some of the comments from Jake Browning a little bit later on in the show. Meanwhile, another team in the playoff hunt, the Houston Texans. Their quarterback, C.J. Stroud, is expected to miss this week's game against Cleveland. He's still in concussion protocol. The former Buckeyes tour was concussed two weeks ago against the Jets. Case Keenum. He led him to a win last week. He'll get the start this week against Cleveland. The Texans share the same record as the Bengals at 8-6, and six, but of course own the tiebreaker with Cincinnati after beating him here earlier this year. Former Super Bowl winning head coach Brian Billick joins us at 11 to talk about all that is the National Football League. College basketball, UC beat Merrimack last night, 65-49. Jameel Reynolds, seven points, a team-high 11 rebounds. The Bearcats play without two of their starters. Aziz Mondego and C.J. Frederick, both nursing minor injuries. UC will play again Friday night at home against Stetson. Wright State beat Miami by 10. Indiana survives a scare. One-point win over Moorhead State. And in Big East play, Providence shocks number six Marquette, 72-57. Speaking of the Big East, it's the opener tonight for Xavier at Rutgers. The Scarlet Knights are now coached by Hall of Famer Rick Pitino. And tonight will be the first time ever Patino and Miller have squared off as head coaches. You may not know, but Patino recruited Miller as a high schooler in Pennsylvania when Patino was at Providence. Miller said no, decided to go to Pitt. Tip off at 7. The game is televised on FS1. Other games tonight, Oakland at Dayton, number 10 Maryland at number 21 Duke. 
Number 11, North Carolina visits number seven, Oklahoma. Did anybody know Oklahoma was number seven? Oklahoma. Alabama plays at number four, Arizona. Well, he joins us every Wednesday at this time. It's always a pleasure to be joined by the Hall of Famer. Marty Brenneman dialed in in his, uh, boy, now, now that's a newer pullover. I've never seen that one before. Is that relatively new or you just have so many that you could wear one for every day of the week? I've got one. I've got so many, but I got this in England when Amanda and I were over there this, this past summer. Yeah. Is that some big league brand name on it? Is it a golf course name? What is that? Oh, no, no. There's no golf course name. Uh-uh. No. Just a big league. I bought this logo. in a store. I brought this in a store in Broadway, England, which is a part of a series of towns out uh, two and a half hours, three hours outside of London called the Cotswolds. And I bought it in the shop there, yeah. Well, that's a big league look you got going there today. Big league look. Yeah, thank you. So thank you. speaking of your Tar Heels, I mean, Casey, you're always curious <laughs> about my dad's reaction to North Carolina basketball. We mentioned they play Oklahoma tonight, but you were more concerned with how they fared against Cal, our guy Cal. Yeah, it didn't end up going well for the Tar Heels. They didn't get the W. What were your thoughts, Marty? Well, there are a lot of reasons, a lot of reasons for that. I mean, you know, I'm, I, I, get, I feel like I'm a, an island in the middle of an ocean of brain-dead Carolina fans um, <laughs> because, you know, they don't see anything wrong and we're going to be okay and we hope we play them again in March. Uh, and, and I will say this. I, I thought they played poorly uh, <laughs> for the most part. I thought their game plan was bad. I think they're soft. <laughs> Excuse me. Uh Armando Baycott doesn't show up against any of the bigger-name teams. He didn't show up against Kentucky for 40 minutes. Um, yet they still lost They still lost by four points. Um, so, I mean, there are some positives to take out of there, but I think they need to be tougher. Um, I think they, don't, they never guard the three. I mean, I, I, that's been a trend of Carolina basketball since Dean left and and, and the parade of coaches came in, uh, Matt Doherty and, and Bill Guthridge, and then, of course, Roy Williams, who had great success winning two national championships. But they never put up a, guy's, a hand in a guy's face when he's shooting a three. So they got in, uncontested three, shot, three shots all night long. Um, I don't know. I, 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 they, they don't play – they don't have anybody other than R.J. Davis who is a good on-the-ball defender. Most of the guys they got – if you go one-on-one -on -one with them, you're going to beat them to the basket. And so I think they got a lot of problems. And, and all these Carolina fans, though, they, you know, they overlook everything. We're going to be fine because we're Carolina. Well, that's a bunch of crap. Well, uh, Marty, I was just going to say you guys play Oklahoma coming up. It doesn't look like you guys drop much in the rankings, but Oklahoma's got a really good defense, it looks like. Are you I know they about do. this matchup? Hell yeah, I am. Yeah, I think Oklahoma. Now they're 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 playing. Obviously, they're playing on a neutral floor. They're playing in Charlotte. They're not playing in Norman. They're playing in Charlotte. Mm -hmm. um, but yeah, I'm I'm concerned about that. I mean, Oklahoma's not ranked number seven in the country for nothing. I mean, they're not noted as a basketball school or haven't been since Billy Tubbs left there a million years ago. But um, uh, yeah, they could very well lose that game tonight. However, if they come out as flat against Oklahoma as they came out against uh, Kentucky, 
then I think people need to seriously consider, are they in the right, going in the right direction with Hubert Davis? I really I, I just can't understand how a team can be flat playing against a nationally ranked team, a game that will certainly have an impact on where your seeding is, assuming you make the NCAA tournament down the road, insofar as strength of schedule and quad one wins and, and all that other business. So, yeah, I think they've got to win tonight. Uh, they've got to beat Oklahoma. Uh, and if they do, then things, you know, things will settle down a little bit. But they just can't keep losing uh, to teams that are nationally ranked if they are as good as those Carolina fans think they are. Fair enough. All Fair right. Enough there we we've covered the college basketball. Hey, you know, we were uh, debating in our, uh, in our pre-show meeting. You've had a little COVID here lately, and you're feeling better, I hope, right? No, we're fine now. Yeah, yeah, I'm good. We are fine, I'm or good. you are fine. What, is that a plural thing? Yeah, because Amanda got it after I did. Okay, but all she's right. fine too. She just has sinus problems now. That's all. Okay, but you're feeling we're good. Every, everything's okay. Oh yeah, yeah. All I've right. got a cold that's still lingering, but other than that, I'm fine. We were talking about the Bengals, and you watch every Bengals game from time to time. You'll tweet something out. You know, things are going yeah. good. You'll say something good, not so good. You know, you, you'll say that too. We know that. Uh, your thoughts on Jake Browning. It really is an amazing story. Uh, it, it doesn't matter whether, you, you know, you're a hardcore Bengal fan or just kind of some guy watching from afar and looking at the numbers he's putting up. It's an amazing, amazing run he's putting together right now. Well, let, let me say this first. Um, you know, even though I've been in this town for a thousand years and my, if I have notoriety, it's because I did the Reds games for 46. But once the baseball season is over, I become a fan. I'm just like anybody sitting in a bar watching a game or sitting in their family room watching a game. I get frustrated. I get PO'd about things that are call, going on, Zach Taylor's play calling and and, and a, a multitude of things. So it doesn't make me any different. And I have every right in the world to be a fan, just like anybody else does. If I didn't want them to win, then I wouldn't be a fan. I'd be ambivalent, which I think is the worst emotion that there is. You don't care one way or the other. I want them to win. Um, and I was very critical of this team a few weeks ago when, when Joe Burrow went down for the year and all they had to offer, I put all now in quotes, was Browning. And, and I made the point on Twitter, this is another example of this club's uh, sh short arms financially that will not inv in, 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 uh, will not pay a backup quarterback who has experience in the event that your number one guy goes down. Now we're going to find out. Well, you know what? We have found out. And I want to apologize because I was wrong about Josh Brown, uh, Jake Browning, just like everybody else seemingly was. Uh, it's, it, the kid is fun to watch. And I think the thing that needs to be taken out of this whole thing, especially last Sunday, when it got down to crunch time, in the first half, he was nothing to write home about. When it got down to having to get it done in the fourth quarter, he was spectacular. And so I, I think this whole situation right now is in good hands. Uh, even if they don't have Chase available on Saturday, they should beat the Steelers in Pittsburgh. That team is in a state of chaos, yeah. unlike people have ever have never known. I mean, they're going they're going now to Mason Rudolph at quarterback. Um, 
So I, I'm 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 thrilled, just like every Bengals fan is, about the way this team has played. Uh, this kid deserves a lot of credit. Uh, I got a feeling he's going to be somewhere else in 2024, and I got a feeling he's probably going to be playing every day. And if I had to pick a team, I'd pick the Pittsburgh Steelers. Yeah, that's yeah. what I'd pick. I mean, you know, look, uh, I, I guess, and I don't understand, like I do baseball so much, some of the sort of quote-unquote control you have over players. I've heard conflicting reports on the whole thing about what he might be able to do or not be able to do and all those kinds of things. Been a lot of talk a few years ago when they held on to A.J. McCarron back when he led the right. team to the playoffs. Uh, and they decided to keep him because they had that quote-unquote control. Then they had an unbelievable trade set up with the Cleveland Browns, and the league nullified that deal. One of those picks that they would have gotten in return, one of those picks was the second-round pick that the Browns made. I believe that's where they took Nick Chubb, and that's a pretty doggone good pick, if I'm not mistaken. That's a very good pick. So, you know, we'll see how all that plays out. Um, and and moving forward from here, but it's a huge game on Saturday. I know you'll be dialed in. Everybody's excited. I will. Big, big Christmas weekend kicking off uh, starting Friday, of course, and so uh, we, we go from there. Um, baseball, and I know we're jumping all over the place. Um, the, the, the story came out, and you and I have talked about this before. You and I used to talk about this when we were both doing Reds games together, about you know the team not, not willing at, in those days, and obviously it has changed. In those days, they weren't willing to come to a player and say, hey, would you mind in spring training, we'd like to to have you start taking some balls out in left field, maybe playing some spring training games, maybe coming in from third base uh, from left field, maybe going out to right. You know where I'm getting here. Jonathan India, there were a lot of stories that that's what he should have done in the middle of the season last year. Scott Boris, his agent, was on this show. I know you're not a big Boris guy. He is a friend of the program, and he made the comment that he's not in favor of guys moving in the middle of the year he's okay with them doing it at the end of the year well now all of a sudden we're reading that India uh, is open to taking some balls in the outfield do you think that him doing that changes the likelihood of him being traded or not because it seems like we read about a different rumor every day Uh, you know I I don't know Tom I mean I I am as baffled by this whole scheme uh, as anybody else is I He's he's in the infield. The infield is overcrowded. You're going to have him take balls in the outfield. Now the outfield is going to become overcrowded. And if you operate on the assumption that he's going to play a considerable amount of time, I, I can't imagine that he's going to play every day if he's still around here. But, you know, whose place is he going to take? I just don't understand. I'm sure... Uh, Nick Kroll has a grand plan that he's uh, abiding by, but I simply don't understand this thing with Jonathan India. And 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 you're right. Uh, there were a lot of people way ahead of, of India's announcement a few days or whenever it was ago that he'd be inclined to uh, go to the outfield and take balls out there and learn the nuances of, of playing an outfield position in spring training. That's all well and good. But then you've got some fine young men who were major contributors to a very exciting 2023 season in that outfield. Um, When he plays, somebody sits. Um, I just, I don't understand where this is all going. Maybe, maybe, you know, Jonathan India is still here because nobody is willing 
to give the Reds what they feel they need in return to trade him. Maybe nobody is interested in Jonathan India. I mean, there are a lot of questions that are unanswered and probably will (coughs) forevermore be unanswered relative to this thing. And I guess we all have to sit back and wait and and find out where Jonathan India is, if he's anywhere else come opening day. It's it's perplexing as the dickens to me. You know, I always wonder, and we're not going to have Jonathan India on the program, I don't think. But uh, you know, I always wonder, uh, you know, when when guys and India was asked about this, and he is he he lays it out there on the table. Uh, I'm really curious sometime though what they really think when you're reading over and over and over. And look, he hasn't been around very long. He's only been around for three right. seasons, but he came up through the minor leagues, and the Reds drafted him out of Florida and all that kind of thing. The Reds are the only organization he's ever known. I, I, I really wonder sometimes, uh, you know, what goes through the mind of a guy when you're waking up every morning and if he's jumping on the Internet or looking at the newspapers or whatever it might be, that, 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 he, that you're going to get traded. No, you're not. You're going to get traded. The general manager makes comments. We don't want to mm-hmm. trade him. Whatever said between those two privately. I mean, it, it has to wear a guy down a little bit. You don't know where you, where you might live. And I know that's part of the deal. But, I mean, you know, Dad, you, you know as well as I do. I mean, where are you going to spring training? Do you need to find a place to rent for spring training? Right. You know, where are you right. going to live? Do you need to find an apartment in Toronto? Do you need to find an apartment in wherever? I mean, these are a lot. He's a married guy now, young guy with a family and all this kind of thing. These are very, very pertinent life questions that every day he's got to be wondering what's happening here. Well, the, the only thing I'd say in defense of that is the one – um, again, I, and I know people get tired of hearing me say this, but I'm a big Nick crawl fan and I don't think Nick crawl has it in him to sit across from uh, a player in this case, Jonathan India, or uh, do a zoom conference call with him and look him in the eye and lie to him about what the club intentions are with him. I think whatever Nick crawl says to Jonathan India in private, is a gospel truth. Yep. And, and so I would draw some satisfaction if I were Jonathan or any other player in that position dealing with Nick Kroll, despite what the writers write, despite what the fans say, whatever conjecture there is, I know exactly where I stand because the president of baseball operations has told me. And I think if, if Nick's intentions are to trade him, I think Nick has told him, we are making an effort to put you in a position where you're going to a club that you will play every day uh, in a much better situation that obviously we're involved in right now because we have an influx of an overabundance of good, young, talented players. I, I, I think now if you play for a club where you have a general manager that can look you in the eye and lie to you, well, that's a different deal. And I think there's some probably out there that do that. Um but I, I don't I, – I, and I understand what you're saying. I think it is hard. People think it's easy because you're making millions of dollars and, you know, you fly by the seat of your pants, but you're doing it because you're smiling all the time because of all the money you're making. But uh, where are you going to be? How are you going to find a place to live? If it happens at the 11th hour, then you really got to scramble. All the burden of proof then is put on a young wife who has to take care of a lot of things that you normally would deal with if you had the time. But that time is gone because now you're trying to get ready with a new club to begin a new season. So it's it's a tough situation. There's no question about that. 
All right, you got people to see, places to be. We got to get you out of here relatively soon. So with that in mind here, we'll spend the next few minutes bouncing around the room a little bit. Let's start with Reed Mouse. Reed Mouse, anything at all for the Hall of Famer, Marty Brenneman. Marty, how's it going? Yeah, you guys talked to, you know, you said you're a Bengals fan. Um, Obviously, I am as well. Obviously, Jake Browning's been playing well over the past four weeks. Do you think the Bengals can win a playoff game with, with Jake Browning? Yeah. Yeah, I do. Absolutely. If they're if they're full force, I mean, if they have all the receivers, obviously losing DJ Reader is a critical loss. Um, but I think if they are close to healthy, uh, they've got all their guns, especially on offense. Uh, yes, I think they can win a playoff game. I certainly do. Right. Yeah, that's that's the only there question. There you I go. Have. All that's right, Casey. You have anything else for the Hall of Famer? Nope. I don't have anything. You don't. Okay. Well, we turn then to uh, Elliot, your guy, Elliot, Dad. Hi, Marty. How you doing? Elliot, how are you? I'm doing great. Now, Marty, I gave you a homework assignment last Wednesday. Did you Did you do it? Do you what was that? What it, it was the. Li- <laughs> oh yeah, that. Yeah, absolutely. I did it when I went off the air with you guys. Okay. And what was your thought of Dominic the donkey, the Italian Christmas donkey? It's the stupidest thing I've ever seen. Oh, come on. Oh, see, now this come is where. Come on. That the, is a great song. It's the holiday spirit, Tom. No E-haunt, doubt. E-haunt. I mean, come on. Marty, come on. Now, Elliot. Listen. Yeah, go ahead. Sorry. Elliot. Yeah. Elliot. Yeah. Lou Monte? Yeah, that's his name. Are you that's kidding right. me? What a guy. What a, Are what a, you kidding me? That's a great. What, I like. I like I saw Mama kissing Santa Claus better than that stupid song. <laughs> oh my God, Marty, did you know Santa Claus was the dad in that song? Yeah. Oh no, no, duh. That's really well, good. When did you tell? Okay, I, I'm, I'm not. I'm not gonna. I'm, okay, I'm gonna be very careful with how I word this. When Tom was just a wee little lad, and you were, and, and, and all, all was merry in the world in his eyes. When did you break the news? about Santa, about who Santa really was. I don't think I ever broke the news to him. He figured it out for himself. He's not stupid. You still think there's a Santa Claus. <laughs> I do, Marty. I, I I saw Santa. I met Santa. He is real. He is real. Well, there you go. See, Tom, Tom and Dawn, they figured it out for themselves. Okay. All right. Well, that's right. I just have, yeah. I just, I just have one final question for you. Uh, Marty, What next year during a Reds game, how about me and you just throw out the first pitch? I'll you, you you throw it out and and I'll and I'll and I'll be the catcher. I'll be the uh, official catcher of that first pitch. That would be awesome. I think that would be. I think if that's you what can, the people if want. If you can if you can talk the Reds into that, then I'll be a party to it. Okay, that's good. And then after that, we'll just take a ride on Redzilla and we'll ride around the streets of Cincinnati. I think that's what. I, Whatever I think you want to do, Elliot. I live to serve. Okay, that's great. I will take the T-shirt cannon and we'll just fire it at random strangers. Here's a T-shirt. There to you, you go. I like that. There we go. I like that. There we go, Marty. Thank you very – hey, Merry Christmas, Marty. God bless. Hey, Merry Christmas to you all, too. Hey, by the way, before I let you go, did you not tell me the other day that you are now following Elliot on Twitter? He did. I did. I certainly did. And I can can say to you unabashedly and without any prejudice at all – Yeah. That I am still trying to find something worthy of my time. <laughs> oh, come on. Marty, I'm not reading. I'm sorry. Marty, I tell it I Marty, I tell it like it is. I'm not on there like all those other journalists telling the truth, using facts and logic. Fake news. 
Wait a minute. I, I'm yeah. out there. I'm out there watching him play golf with Trace. Yeah. <laughs> um, what redeeming feature is there? And watching a guy who can't walk and chew gum at the same time hit a golf ball. <laughs> I mean, really. Marty, it's, Are you it, kidding? it's entertaining. That's that's what it is. Charles Barkley. I love Charles Barkley. That guy can't swing, but you know what it is? I love to watch him swing because he's so bad at it. I bring that factor. I'm so yeah. bad at golf that people just need to – it's like a car crash. You just have to look at it. You don't want to look at it. You hope everything's okay. But deep down, you just got to look at it. And that's what I am playing golf. And that's what well, we, that's what I did. I looked at it. Okay. That's what, at it. How about that? And it worked, Marty. That's what we're talking about. I looked we're, bringing, at it. we're bringing people together, baby. That's it. That's it. Yes, we are. Yes, we are. <laughs> did you see, before I let you go, did you see him in the uh, hot tub singing to Luke Dream Weaver? Did you see that? I did not. Okay. Well, you need to go back and look at that. Because that was when that Elliot is. out in the backyard of his palatial estate over there in the west side of town He's in the hot tub on a summer night, and he is singing the old Gary Wright song, Dream Weaver, in honor of Luke Weaver. It's big time. Check it out. Police might have took that one down for graphic content. <laughs> it's not on there anymore? No, it's it? th- no, it's there. It's there. Uh, I, I just I, I think it might be hidden. It might be hidden. I'll have to go find it, though. Well, I'm going to go look for it then. If it's that good, if Tom says it's that good, then I'm going to go look for it. It okay. is, because that's when uh, Dream Weaver was starting and winning games. He might pitch two and a third or one and two thirds, but I hope they, they were bring... finding a way to win the games. I need him back, Tom. I that's need right. Dream Weaver back. That's true. We need him back. We need him back. All right, Dad. Yep. Uh, hope you feel better. Have a good rest of your day. I'm You're good, Tom. All right. I'll talk All to right, you. All right, pal. All right. See you. I'll talk to you later. Merry All Christmas. Right. Happy New Year to you guys. Merry, Merry Christmas. Christmas. Merry Christmas, indeed. Absolutely. Thanks, guys. Thank Be you. seeing uh, him on, uh, what would that be, Christmas Eve? Yeah, Christmas Eve. Yeah. That's the day before Christmas. Midnight Mass? It is. It's coming up. Midnight Mass? No, we're going to an earlier church service. Uh, That day, Christmas Eve day, uh, we are serving food down at one of the homeless shelters during the day. Okay. And then then all getting together that night. Nice. We were supposed to go to his house two nights ago, but that's when we found out he had COVID. Hmm. So he couldn't take the whole gang over there. We were very disappointed that that happened, but we're glad everybody's feeling okay. Sounds like a nice Christmas. Absolutely. Then what do you do on Christmas Day? You just spend it with, with your intermediate family? Or? Yeah, my, you know, my, my wife's dad comes into town from Arizona uh, with his girlfriend, uh, and uh, my mother-in-law comes over, and, uh, and my, the night before, my dad and you know, his wife come over. So it'll be, uh, it'll be a, a, a big time. I, I want on Friday, I want to hear, although you're not here Friday, did I hear that? That's correct. Okay, then tomorrow, I'd like to kind of bounce around the room a little bit and find out what everybody's going to be doing on Christmas. All right. I want to find out what everybody's up to. I love it. Right. Yeah. yeah. I'd absolutely. like to hear what some of you in the chat tell us what you're going to be up to for, uh, you know, your, your Christmas holiday, whether you're around family or you're just around friends, or some people just kind of like hanging out by themselves. It's a day of peace. And sometimes you just you want a little peace and quiet. And that's that's awesome too. Um to the Bengals thing for a second, you know, we got Brian Billick coming up later on, and I, I want to ask him about this. But I gotta tell you, uh, we, we brought up his name very briefly right before we went on the show, and my dad made reference to the Steelers in this chaos. You know, for those of us old enough, if you really look at okay, the 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 run the Steelers have had 
with head coaches. And every one of the following has won at least one Super Bowl. Mm -hmm. But you had Chuck Knoll there forever, who really established the identity of the Steelers, the Steel Curtain, all the Hall of Fame players. The, you know, the, the, the Raiders get the line commitment to excellence, but over the long haul, no one has had a greater commitment to excellence in the NFL over the last 40, 50 years than the Pittsburgh Steelers. Okay, so you got Chuck Knoll. Then they go to Bill Cowan, and then they go to Mike Tomlin. Tomlin's been there, what, 14, 15 years now. And, I mean, it has been as smooth a transition from one guy. It doesn't mean that every season has been easier, every season has been great, or every season has gone to the playoffs. In Tomlin's case, the most recent head coach and current head coach, I think he commands such incredible respect from his players. He, he's tough. He's smart. He's hard-nosed. People around here think the Steelers at times, you know, they cross that line of dirty and clean play, and I think there's a lot to that argument. Uh, that doesn't mean it's Tomlin's fault. And we just saw he had a player, uh, Casey, who's just been booted for the rest of the year for the cheap shot on Pittman over the weekend. Um, but rarely, even in good times and bad, has there been the, 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 the chaos that's going on right now in Pittsburgh? I mean, there is a lot happening there. You know, they get their quarterback. They're 7-4, and four, like you talked about, Reed, you know, mm -hmm. three weeks ago. They're getting ready to play the likes of New England and Arizona, and you're thinking, oh, man, by the time the Bengals see them, and then the Bengals, and by the time the Bengals see them again, uh, they're going to be 9-4 and four, or 9-5. Or, or, or and five. Well, we know what's happened. They lost to the Cardinals. They lost to New England. Uh, there, there, there is chaos. Quarterback knocked out. Backup guy comes in. He's benched. Now they're starting a third. But the George Pickens thing is the story in Pittsburgh right now. And it seems like it never ends. For those of you that don't know, Pickens is an enormously talented wide receiver. There is no debate about that. I think he's an Alabama guy, right? Georgia. Georgia guy. Georgia. SEC guy and you know he he has some issues with how often he's getting passes and there are a lot of those wide receiver divas out there and the Steelers offense is awful and you can understand a player's frustration who's a wide receiver of not getting the ball and all these kinds of things he's had his ups and downs too pickings by the way when they do get him on the field but then all of a sudden you know, the, 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 he's taking plays off. There's video of taking plays off. He wasn't blocking anybody when he had a chance uh, to help get a running back into the end zone. Um, uh, the week before, uh, Tomlin said he had a meeting with Pickens. Pickens comes out yesterday and said there was never any meeting. Now, who are you more prone to believe, Mike Tomlin or Pickens. I have a hard time believing Mike Tomlin has ever told a lie in his life, Tom. He, he seems like a no-nonsense guy. George Pickens, even in college, had all these problems. I don't know what it is. You know, you talked about the Pittsburgh Steelers, and, and really, as much as I hate them, their commitment to excellence, and, and it's been that way. That's why they are one of the best franchises in, in NFL's history. But for some reason, over the past decade, they've had this uh, lingering thing with their skill players, right? Antonio Brown, obviously yep. everything that's happened in, in his life. Le'Veon Bell, 
That was a messy breakup over there. And now you got George Pickens, who really, since he's been in the NFL, and before that, actually, has has been just a major thorn in the side. For, for a franchise that prides itself on a commitment of excellence, there's a, there's a growing trend with their skill positions that they kind of just, for, for lack of a better word, are a little crazy. They, there's just so much noise around their skill position rooms, and, it, and it's really uncharacteristic of the Pittsburgh Steelers. Yeah, it doesn't make sense. And especially as, as, as good as Mike Tomlin has been, uh, never, never having a losing season is incredible. Yeah. And somehow finding a way to win games through all this madness, uh, it, it's crazy. I guess, I mean, the only thing I can think of is that when, when, you, when you have superstars in the room, you have to be able to, uh, I, I don't want to say humble them, but you have to make sure the, the playing field's level with everybody. That's with the coaches, that's with the staff, that's with the opponents. And clearly that's just not there in Pittsburgh. I don't, I don't know how Mike Tomlin's done it, not being able to control any of these guys. But nonetheless, I guess that's a testament to him. It's, it, it's so hard. I, I truly believe, I, I think this about baseball, I think this about every sport, that the front of your jersey does matter. Who you play for matters. You're seeing that. We saw that our whole life with the Pittsburgh Steelers. That's kind of un- uncrumbling before our eyes. And you're seeing that currently with the Baltimore Ravens. Like It doesn't matter how many injuries the Baltimore Ravens have. As long as John Harbaugh's there, they're continue to be a tough franchise. It didn't really start before Harbaugh got there. But just as hard as it is to build it up, it's hard to tear down to. And we're seeing it kind of crumble before our eyes. Yeah. Big Ben goes away. They have all these problems with, with all these guys. I didn't even mention like the Chase Claypools of the world that have just had story after story right. come out about how crazy <clears throat> that their locker room can be at times. And it, it listen, it, I'm scared to say that it, it, it's sad to see what, what is what has gone on in, in Pittsburgh because it's not sad to see as a Bengals fan. And I don't, certainly don't want to say anything before we play a tough game in, in, in Pittsburgh this weekend. But – Really, it's it, it's unfolding. It's unraveling before our eyes, Tom. Yeah, I mean, uh, you know, look, Pickens draws harsh criticism for what happens on the on the blocking play, and, and he comes out and says, "Hey, look, I'm trying to prevent the uh, the Tank Dell situation, yeah. right? Where uh, he gets rolled up on yeah. in a similar kind of situation and doesn't want to get hurt. It did look like there was no effort involved, and there wasn't any effort involved. None. None whatsoever. So he takes the easy road Pickens does. He blasts the media, says these are guys that have never played the game. They never will, and they never uh, will have full comprehension on what it's like to play football and while they do these kinds of things. Okay? But you go back to the game before, a week ago, Pickens had these in-game just blow-ups. Right, And he has a meeting with Mike Tomlin uh, in which it was described uh, that they weren't solution-oriented blow-ups. That's according to Tomlin. He said, we had a great conversation ahead of the Colts game. So then this Colts things happen, right? Okay. Pickens comes out and he says, last week we played the Colts. I ain't never had no conversation with Coach T. But let's get better and let's keep working. Now, they're saying, the Steelers PR saying later, that Pickens was referring to a meeting with, with Coach Tomlin after the Indy game and not the one that occurred before the Indy game. But this whole thing has just completely spiraled out of control in Pittsburgh. It makes me wonder, Casey. I mean, it, 90% of me says there is no way on God's earth 
that the Pittsburgh Steelers would make a change at head coach. Okay? But because it's more than just pickets, it's the examples you guys just gave, right? Right. Even Najee Harris a little bit earlier this season. Now you got Big Ben, right, on his podcast kind of chiming in, blaming the players for basically – you know, caring more about me than the team in the front of the jerseys like you talked about, Reed. And it's more than one guy. It's more than two. And we can all say every one of those guys is a clown. That's the easy thing to say. Mm -hmm. I'm not in that locker room. I don't know who's a clown and who's not a clown. But the bottom line is it's happening a lot more now in Pittsburgh. They haven't won a playoff game in forever. Forever. I mean, I I would argue that it's been happening since Mike Tomlin walked in the door. I mean, look at Santonio Holmes, Mike Wallace, Martavis Bryant, Deontay Johnson right now. Let me interrupt you right now real quick. When you're talking about some of those guys, you're talking about some major league clowns. Right. I mean, I'm a Santonio. I loved him at Ohio State, but I mean, come on. Some of the stuff. And Bryant, he was out of the league for four years. Right. right? Some of these other guys. I mean, come on. I mean, Plaxico Burris. I mean, like, there's so many guys shot himself. Yeah. This is just the Steelers receivers. Right. I mean, there's a ton of other examples of just really crazy uh, – well, I shouldn't say really crazy. That's insensitive. But just really um, sad situations for these players um, to be putting themselves in. And, you know, I think, I think honestly it is a bit of the, the coaching staff. I think there is something wrong there. I think Mike Tomlin – you look at – people want to praise Mike Tomlin – I have this uh, this crazy graphic. I don't have it here on, on screen, but I do have it on my phone because I think it was after the Patriots game, someone posted this statistics of Mike Tomlin. And I'm just going to read these out to you. 2007, one and done at home to David Garrard. Blown fourth quarter lead. 2008, Tom Brady torn ACL all year. Beat Chargers at home without leading rusher LaDainian Tomlinson. Beat rookie Joe Flacco at home. Beat the 9-7 Cardinals with a 40-year-old quarterback, Kurt Warner, including a blown 16-point fourth-quarter lead. 2009, no playoffs. Four out of the seven losses against five, sub-500 teams. 2010, beat Joe Flacco at home, including a blown fourth-quarter lead. Beat Mark Sanchez at home. Lost to Aaron Rodgers in the six-seed Packers. 2011, one and done against Tim Tebow's eight and eight Broncos. Yep. 2012, no playoffs. Four out of the eight losses against below 500 teams. 2013, no playoffs. Three out of the eight losses against 500 teams. One and done at home at Joe, to Joe Flacco's six seeded Ravens in 2014. 2015, beat backup AJ McCarron. Lost to 39 year old Peyton Manning. To, I mean, it just goes on and on. Right. I mean, it, it's their track record is really not that great. And for some reason, we want to praise him. And he won that Super Bowl, and everyone pretty much knows this at this point. He won that roster with the former – or he won that, that Super Bowl with the former coach's roster. Okay, but he still won the Super Bowl. I guess, I guess. But I just – he had a lot of help is what I'm saying. He had it all laid out in front of him already. There was already great talent there. And I don't know. I think, I think uh, he gets too much praise. My argument against that is that he has had – you know how hard it is to have zero losing seasons right, in the Right, in 15 years. And, and, and playing in the toughest division in, in the Correct. sport. Correct. That's, that's that, tough. 
that that's my. I think Mike Tomlin's still one of the best coaches in the NFL. I, I if he if he left anywhere, I'd hire him immediately, immediately, because I think he's that good. Now there is clearly some sort of I I don't want to say there's a leadership issue, but it, it, it's it's evident that when some of these stars get here, they think they're the king of the roost, and, and they've yet to be uh, told otherwise. And I guess that's just a trend in, in Pittsburgh, and that's how it's been. That's how it'll be under under Mike Tomlin. But to say, to, I, I don't I don't question his 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 skills as a football coach in this it's, league. You know, Mr. Mo actually just put in a, a great chat that I think um, one guy that we don't talk enough about is Mike McCarthy, who who got ran out of Green Bay, even being insanely successful, yep. won, a, won a Super Bowl early on in his tenure at Green Bay, and then they just kind of. Things kind of mellowed out there, so they got rid of him. Now he's in Dallas, and he's winning games left and right. Is is Mike Tomlin just a Mike McCarthy in a place that doesn't fire head coaches? That's that's a fair. That's, that's a, fair a very point. fair question. That is a great question. And, and and look, Pete, you know, there 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 are so many pros and cons. Bill Parcells often gets credited with that that line. I'm paraphrasing now about you know once you're somewhere for ten years, you, you lose the voice loses its effect in the right. locker room. Okay. Right. Well, that actually wasn't Bill Parcells. He was quoting that off of, and I'm not going to recall the guy's name, but it was a longtime general manager with the Detroit Red Wings of the NHL who was the first one to say that. Now, that was said, and even Parcells quoting that was said at a time where there wasn't the player movement that we have now. You could probably go inside that Steelers locker room or any NFL locker room for that matter, and you would find very few players that have been in that locker room with that same team for probably more than four or five, six years. Mm -hmm. And the overwhelming majority have been there uh, less time than that. So I don't know if that holds a lot. But I got to tell you, and I have incredible respect for Mike Tomlin. Uh, I've been in many production meetings with him. No nonsense. Man of very high character. Um, it's It's hard to punch holes. In, in the Tomlin resume and the Tomlin as a human being. And I'm not going to punch holes in it. But I do think, even though there's no way on God's earth it's going to happen, I do think that it might be time to make a change in Pittsburgh. It, yeah, that, that's... They're not going to do it, though. They will not do it. It's So the last time that the, the Steelers, and you guys alluded to this, won a playoff game was all the way back in 2016. Right. That's a long time ago, man, for a franchise like the Steelers. Might not be for the Bengals, but it is for the Steelers. Right. The last time they won a playoff game was when like, Barack Obama was the president. That's so, right. like, it's, it, well, there it's, you it's, go. That's a very long time. So it's at what point does it become does – it, does his voice, as the Bill Parcells quote, just become kind of part of the room? Like, it doesn't actually hold any credence. It's just, you know, noise as the air conditioner is in this room. Is that point? I, I, I don't know. How long can you be just mediocre as the Steelers have been since the 2016 season? They, you know, 9-6, and 8-8, eight and 9-7, eight, 9-8, and 7-7 seven, nine and eight, seven and seven this year. Just very mediocre teams at the middle, middle of the pack. At some point, you just got to make a change. Like, listen, it's not because we don't think you're a great coach. It's just because this team isn't getting any better. This team's just kind of middling in the middle of the road. We've got to make something that, that hires our ceilings. And you know what happens when you have, you know, the, 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 look, there's, the, the, it, it, you brought up the point. It's incredible to think that you've never had a losing season. But when you don't have a losing season, even if you're 9-8, and eight, what does that mean? You're picking in the middle of the first round every year. 
And most years for the Steelers, they'll get to the playoffs, so it's even later than that. Mm -hmm. It's sometimes 18th, 19th, 22nd, 24th, 27th, whatever it might be. They've never been in a position that the Bengals were in, for example, where you've got one of the top two, three picks in a draft a couple years in a row, and you're getting the likes of Joe Burrow and Jamar Chase. You're not going to get that franchise quarterback guy. Now, you might find lightning in a bottle. Aaron Rodgers was one of those guys. Tom Brady was one of those guys. Drew Brees was one of those. But they don't come around all that frequently. Just look around the NFL right now. All the guys, by and large, except for Purdy, uh, are high draft pick guys, right? Mm -hmm. Burrow, Mahomes, Jalen Hurts, Herbert, Lamar Jackson, all these guys are guys that you're going to get uh, more times than not early in the say, draft. Hertz was a second rounder. Right? Yeah, I know, but yeah. I'm saying you can, you know what I'm saying. By and large, it is rare to find guys who are going to be, you know, franchise. And Pickett may turn out to be that guy. I have no idea. We'll wait and see. It's still too early to say about him one way or the other. But, you know, they did get Big Ben many, many, many years ago. Mm-hmm. Quote, unquote, sort of lightning in a bottle uh, out of Miami of Ohio, right? Mm-hmm. And he was the best quarterback. I mean, he was better than Bradshaw. He's the best quarterback in franchise history. And, and, and now all of a sudden they've gone through how many years with how many different quarterbacks? And at the end of the day, you ain't going to win if you don't have a good quarterback. Yeah, that's, that's, the, that's the recipe for success in the NFL. Good coach, good quarterback. You have those two things, you're going to win a lot of games. I think that even we've been talking about, is it time for Mike Tomlin to leave? I think we all agree that he's a good coach. That's why when they add a good quarterback like Big Ben, they won a lot of games, won a lot of playoff games. I, Kenny Pickett's not the guy, Tom. I think, I, think it's, I think it's the – Yeah, the verdict is out. I think the verdict's out. He, he, he's not the guy. He he's shows up late in games, as we've seen time and time again. I think in, in his uh, 12 wins that he has, he has like eight game-winning drives. So he certainly shows up late in the game. But, yeah, maybe, maybe they get a guy – this is a deep quarterback draft. It's a deep quarterback draft that all it takes is getting one guy. But I would also argue that if you're going to draft a quarterback – in the first round this year, Tom, like if you're already done with Kenny Pickett and the Steelers go, all right, it's a deep quarterback draft. We maybe get a Jaden Daniels in the middle middle of the first round, something along those lines. I would argue, why would you want a defensive head coach with a young quarterback? Because if you look in the NFL, that recipe doesn't work very well. Well, it's, it's, it's funny you say that because I thought the same thing this year, and I think you can offset that with – who you hire on your staff. And that's another criticism of, of Mike Tomlin and a legitimate criticism. He's got Matt Canada that he hung on to right before letting him go this season, right? Um, you know, th- they've had some issues. Todd Haley, you had Big Ben around and, you know, some things going on before he became head coach of the Chiefs. Um, but, you know, you look at, I thought the same thing that you just said in this year's draft, and I remember us talking about this. I was worried that C.J. Stroud, was going to be hindered by a defensive-minded head coach in D'Amico right. Ryans. And you, but you bring in talented, offensive minds, let those guys do their job. Ryans, yes, he's the CEO, but we're going to let those guys handle C.J. Stroud. And I thought it was a big advantage for Bryce Young, conversely, and it goes to show you how wrong I am. Bryce Young walks in the door. He's got Frank Reich who's this offensive guy, quarterback right. in the NFL. Right. I thought that would be a huge advantage. Well, we know what's happened since then. And maybe it comes down to they just have a lot better players on Houston. But 
Uh, I know what you're saying, and, 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 and I think at the end of the day, anybody who wants to have a quarterback come in there and be given a chance to succeed, you would prefer to have somebody who has a track record of success with young quarterbacks. And, you know, Pittsburgh, they, and having said all this, we talked about it yesterday. The Steelers have had full ownership over the Bengals, seemingly since the beginning of time. So I don't think anybody would be surprised if the Steelers, quote-unquote, showed up ready to play on Saturday. And their playoff hopes are down to like 3%. They're playing with a third-string quarterback. They've got discord in the locker room. They've got discord among the fan base. They've got discord in terms of the media and really getting on them for the first time. It's rare in a city like Pittsburgh, even when it's a sinking ship, for people to start beating them down. A lot of that is going on right now. Uh, but it would surprise no one if they came ready to go, especially on that defensive side. Absolutely not, Tom. Listen, this is a Steelers team that, as I mentioned, that the jersey is worth something, and their back's against the wall. They're coming off the three worst games in, I'm not just going to say this year, but maybe over the past decade that the Pittsburgh Steelers have played, Tom. Yep. And we got to go into home with a backup quarterback against Mike Tomlin, one of the most successful coaches over the past 15 years. I think a lot of people, and I understand it, right? One team's playing the worst football that they played in over a decade. The other team is playing great. Maybe their best football of the year over the past three games. Yep. This is a game that the Bengals should absolutely, absolutely win. But in the same jest, when have you ever known the Pittsburgh Steelers to just lay over and die? Never. Never. And maybe maybe it's just the things that we were talking about 10 minutes ago about how it's all unraveling before our eyes. And if the Bengals go in there and they, and, and they put up 40 points on the Pittsburgh Steelers, then yeah, maybe it's, start t- it's time to start thinking that the Pittsburgh Steelers aren't the old Steelers, of, aren't the Steelers of old. But until I see it with my eyes, I have a hard time believing that. I didn't know, I, by the way, I looked it up just then. I didn't know what the all-time record was to see how good the Steelers have been compared to us head-to-head. Disgusting. 69 and 39, the Steelers lead that series. Disgusting. I, for, I forgot they went on like a 10-game winning streak against us, too, at one point. There was, there was a time when we, in the mid-2000s or mid-2010s when the Bengals obviously were on the five-season stre- five stretch of going into the postseason. The Steelers were very good, and that's when that rivalry was, was more heated than ever, right? Yeah. Like, if you ask Steelers fans, their biggest rival is the Ravens. But at that time, it was every time the, the Bengals and the Steelers played, it was on national television because of what we saw in that 2015 playoff game. Just a nasty, nasty game. And every time it felt like watching it, at least as a young fan, man, the Bengals finally got one over on the Steelers, finally got one over on the Steelers. Then you look up at the score, there's about three and a half minutes left. You're up four points on the Steelers, and here comes Big Ben marching right yep. down the field and just just hits you right in the gut. Hits you right in the gut. But, yeah, it's it's been an absolute boat race. Even, even when the Bengals have been good over the past two years, I think they've split with the Steelers both each of the last two years, right? Uh, yeah. Well, yep. I think I think they're up three to two over the last five. The Bengals are. Well, they would play ten times over the last five games. Yes. Last okay. Five games. But I think over like the the two years go, going to the AFC Championship last game we split. Yeah. Because they beat us week one. And I think the year before that we split. Yes. So. That's hard true. to beat them. Hard to beat them. I saying all that the Bengals need to win the game. I Mason Rudolph's not a very good quarterback. He started. What, that one year in 2019, he wasn't good. Can he pick it, Mike? 60% completion, 13 TDs, 9 picks. 
he's just not very good. And it, 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 it's the same kind of deal as Nick Mullins. Just get to the quarterback. If you get if you get to the quarterback, you make that guy throw. He's gonna he's gonna throw at least two interceptions. He's going to. He's going to make mistakes. You force the mistakes. They can't play from behind. They can absolutely not play from behind. The issue is if they take a lead, if they start marching down the field with Najee Harris and Jalen Warren, then there might be a problem. Yeah. Because then their defense steps up, and that's when they force then Jake Browning to make the interceptions. Get the lead early. Stomp on their throat. This game shouldn't be close. And I don't. I have 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 we known for sure that Mason Rudolph's going to play? Because it, Kenny Pickett was was limited in practice yesterday. Yeah, it, it, they said he's going to start the game. Okay. Now, could they change their mind? Of course, they can change their right. mind if they see something over the next today's only Wednesday, right? And you got until Sunday really to make the call. You can just put the guy on the injury report every day, but then all of a sudden, you know, kind of like C.J. Stroud. Uh, most people feel like he's not going to play this week, but if he's going to practice today, that we know. But that uh, you know, if he gets better. Uh, that you you know you can all of a sudden make the decision Sunday he's in when you got to turn in who's active and who's not, um, so we'll see where that goes. Um, I want to get to uh, our ad breaks a little bit early because we got Brian Billick right at eleven okay. o'clock. Um, on the other side and Mouse Cop, I mean come on, okay. I mean I know I made the mistake in the monologue of saying Rutgers who's in the Big Ten rather than St. John's. So, Mouse Cop, for the 11 times that you pointed that out in the chat, thank you. Once was more than enough to point out my mistake. Rick Pitino coaches at St. John's. And St. John's is in the Big East, not Rutgers. They're in the much better Big Ten. It's on not, it's on not, it's all no. levels, much better Big Ten. Oh, my goodness. Much in everything. Academics, athletics, you name it, across Academics. the board. Academics. Not even close. Come on. Over the Big East? Are you kidding me? Come on. Come on. Is there a school with a medical school in the Big East? One? Is there a school with a law school in the Big East? One? Maybe there is. Maybe not. Come on. Come on. All right. But you don't have to have a medical school or a law school to be a big-time school. We're all about the common on this it's show. We're all about the time. public universities on Catholic this show. Educations. We're all about the Ohio States and even the Michigans and even the Illinois and Penn State where regular guys go to college, right? That's right. You see guys like you and me. That's right. That's exactly right. Not that highbrow private school stuff. Xavier has a medical school. They do? It's new. <laughs> okay. All right. Okay. Well, good. Good for them. They, all just, right. they just got their stethoscopes yesterday. Well, that's okay. You got to start somewhere, right? That's okay. That's all right. That's okay. All right, Casey, take it away. All right. Tom, the future Bengals report is brought to you by Encore Technologies. Encore Technologies provides IT solutions for a data-centered world with a suite of services from mobile computing to desktop to data center, supporting both centralized and work-from-home computing modules to improve efficiency and productivity. Activity. Yesterday we had Charlie on the phone and we both we both took it very seriously. Yeah. <laughs> Visit Encore.tech. Path to innovation <laughs> begins here. Let me tell you about Pawnee Water. About made right here in Hamilton, Ohio. Uses natural limestone filtration, unlike the artificial processing other brands use. The result is a healthy alkaline water, and some say the best tasting water in the world. Visit Pawnee Water at P-A-H-H-N-I Water. Dot com. See where you can buy this great tasting water. Is this? Is that? Is there a glare when I do that every time? 
Oh, well. You can see it there. Probably lights are well. bright. The lights are bright. Lights are bright. Lights are here. bright. Lights are so very well, bright. So we were talking about George Pickens. I sent you some tweets just to uh, just a testament on George Pickens' character. Ooh. This was him when he was in Georgia. This is uh, nothing. This is good old-fashioned hate, the best rivalry in college football, as we all know, Georgia versus Georgia Tech. They were up a billion over Georgia Tech, and George Pickens decides, hey, you know, we don't, we don't have an SEC championship game next week that I got to play in. I'm just going to go ahead and fight in this nothing, nothing burger of a game against Georgia Tech. And uh, let's do the other one. They're playing Tennessee. Guy gets tackled on the sideline. Maybe it was Auburn. And uh, what do you know? George Pickens just, just spraying some water bottles on, on the opposing quarterback. Good guy, George Pickens. All-around good guy. Who would have guessed that he would be a problem? He would be a problem in the locker room based off of uh, character things that he did in college. What pick did you guys say he was? Uh, George Pickens. I'll look it up. I, man, that's, that, that's crazy. If you, if you know those issues coming in to drafting, I guess you, you hope that he matures. George Pickens was the, was the, the 52nd overall pick, second round for the Steelers. Okay. I guess that's not bad then. Tremendous value. They, 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 they went the, the Bengals route. They got the quarterback in the first round and Kenny Pickett, and they got the wide receiver in the second round with George Pickens. As we all know, very similar careers to uh, Joe Burrow and T. Higgins. Oh, yeah. Very similar. <laughs> very similar. You got to get your punches in. Listen, you know what's funny about um, – we talked about the front of the jersey and everything like that. When it comes to the AFC North, and this is why I say it's the toughest division in the, in the, in the National Football League, is because of teams like the Steelers – because of teams like the Baltimore Ravens and because of like when Marvin Lewis was here and now Kevin Stefanski, you had to be so tough to win in the AFC North. And it showed by the just like just watch the way that the teams play. Now obviously the Bengals this year aren't like that, but I digress. Casey. Um. <laughs> Casey, uh no good good show so far. Yeah, great show. Good great show. show. I got yeah. nothing for you. Okay, we got to get our host back in the chair. Bueller. Yeah. Got to get our host back in the chair. Bueller. You know what I'm talking about when I say that? Bueller? Bueller? Yes, we've seen yeah. Ferris Bueller's Day Ferris off. Bueller's Day Yeah. We are cultured, Tom. That's an awesome movie. Great movie. Do you like, you, I, do you, I showed that movie to my kids, and they just weren't into it. I don't know. You know, oh, I it's love amazing it. how those change with time and the reaction, right? Yeah. Like when you play Star Wars for a kid now, they're just like, you know, the original. The original. Right. They're like, what is this? Or like, like Indiana Jones in the Indiana Temple Jones of Doom. Indiana Jones is great. Indiana They're great. Jo- Indiana Jones, Back to the Future, those are like, when you think of movies, yeah. right? That's the, that's the perfect escapism movie. Like two no hours, doubt. just a fun adventure. A lot of fun. Those are good no movies. doubt. The 80s suck, though. No. Mouse Cop wants to know, do you have, do you think the, uh, Biggie oh, Mouse schools, Cop again. What? Th- what, what, Mouse Cop? What is it, Mouse Cop? He wants to know, do the Big East schools have professors? Big East? Yeah. I'm think- not sure. <laughs> I'm not sure. They do allegedly think, do. Do you think Georgetown's a good university, Tom? Georgetown is an excellent university. There's an outlier everywhere. Yeah. Just like there's an outlier in a private school. Northwestern, yep. I believe, is a private school. Is it not? I think so. I actually don't know that one. I'm not sure know. about that either. There's only there's only one public school in the in the Big East. The rest are Catholic schools. And the and, and I think Northwestern. I could be wrong on Northwestern, but I think that is the only private school in the Big Ten. Okay. Okay. The common man goes okay. to the Big Ten. Wow. You went to the MAC. I did. That's the real common man. Well, unless you go to Miami. 
then you're drifting outside a little bit. Public Ivy time. I mean, uh, look, uh, Brian Billick knows all about Ohio education. I mean, even though he was residing in Baltimore, right? He had both of his, his kids that, that were going to college in the Buckeye State. Am I right or wrong on that, Coach Brian Billick? No, I, my one daughter went to Ohio State. The other one went to Northwestern. Oh, that's right. But so then, Northwestern is a private school, right? Is that a private yes. school or public school? You better believe it, and, it, and I've, got the che- <laughs> I've got the checks to prove it. Are you already in Phoenix, Arizona? I mean, you've been in I South am. Carolina. Now you're in Arizona. Is this another golf trip? You better believe it, man. Down here on a little bit of business, but played uh, yesterday, get to play uh, Greyhawk today. I'm looking yeah. forward to it. Okay. All right. My, uh, my father-in-law lives out on uh, Greyhawk, so you can wave to him as, you, ah. as you're cruising down the, uh, cruising down the road. I, 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 may hit his, I may hit his house with one of my drives. <laughs> I understand. And he'll understand, too. You live there, that's a chance yeah. you take. Hey, we were talking a lot about Pittsburgh and the Steelers and everything. The Bengals play them this Saturday. Uh, we know about Kenny Pickett getting hurt, blah, blah, blah. Um, Mike Tomlin has never had a losing season. But, Brian, this is like the fourth, fifth, sixth, seventh year in a row where there just seems to be turmoil in and around Pittsburgh. They never fired Chuck Knoll. He retired. They didn't fire Bill Cowher. He retired. There's no way they're going to fire Mike Tomlin. But, 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 but maybe for the first time, could, 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 could people not be inaccurate in thinking that something's not right in Pittsburgh well, I think it's the same conversation we have with New England and Bill Belichick. Both are outstanding coaches. Um, but, and, and Bill Walsh was a big believer that you can only stay in one place for about 10 years before the entire process just becomes stale. Now, obviously, both those guys have gone far beyond that. But the fact that both, and both would have a job 10 minutes after if they left uh, because they're outstanding coaches and they're thought of that way. Have, have Do they need the change of venue? Do the teams need the change of venue? Who knows? Um, Pittsburgh hasn't been a team to do that. Uh, they'll, they'll rebound from this. Um, he has gone through a number of coordinators. So now, you know, it's the legitimate questions are, well, do we need a larger change to orchestrate the changes that need to happen going forward? So those are legitimate questions. But, you know, you know it, it's just that's the nature of the league right now. You know, uh, Brian, but, but you know, I don't know how many jobs, and, and, and we were talking about this before you came on. You know, you look at Mike McCarthy's numbers when he was in Green Bay, okay? And, yeah, he had Aaron Rodgers as his quarterback. And, and for a long period of his tenure, most of his tenure, Mike Tomlin had Ben Roethlisberger as his quarterback. Both of those guys are going to the Hall of Fame one day. Um, and, and yet – you know, they run McCarthy out of Green Bay because they felt like, you know, he was losing conference championship games or, or not getting to the Super Bowl and Rodgers only won one while he was there and all that kind of thing. You know, the, the Steelers have not won a playoff game in eight years. How many jobs out there are they going to keep a coach besides Cincinnati with Marvin Lewis? How many places are they going to keep a guy around when you don't win a playoff game since 2016? Yeah, not many. And, and Pittsburgh is one of them. And that's why they have been viewed as one of the organizations that has been so stable for such a long time. Um, but, it, you know, what comes first, the chicken or the egg? Do you keep the coach because he's been good or has he been good because you keep the coach? Like you said, they, they kept Bill Cower through a stretch 
uh, of losing. And then he ended up going to a Super Bowl um, and then retiring a couple years after that. So, you know, those are all legitimate questions. And and it, what's interesting to me as a coach is even now you look at Bill Belichick and, well, well how, how good? Because they say, well, okay, without Brady. Well, that's not fair. You could look at any coach, every coach in the Hall of Fame and say, well, what about him without the quarterback that helped get him there? But clearly, uh, you know, we're, we're all victims to that. If you don't have a quarterback, you're not as good a coach. You're the same coach doing the same things. And Bill Belichick is, is brilliant in the way that he handles situational offense and defense and, and the, the tone. And But the problem becomes the locker room, because of the losing and because you don't have that singular presence at quarterback, you, the proverbial you start to lose the locker room. Now, he's still the same coach. Still competent, still making the same decisions, but now it's looked through the prism. Well, you've been losing, so so maybe maybe not so. So it's a it's a slippery slope to get on. They're both outstanding coaches. Um, it, it might be better for them. And I don't know. Bill's what 71, 72 years old. I don't know if he wants to keep pounding away. Clearly, they've got a lot of changes that have to happen in New England. So does you know? Do you want to do it there or wherever you go? Is probably going to have to have some changes. That's why it's available. So they're all legitimate questions. Okay, uh, then there is the situation with uh, Arthur Smith there in Atlanta where, you know, uh, Arthur Blank, the owner, is coming out and he's saying, hey, you know, look, um, we're happy with the direction of the team, but dot, 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 you know, basically we're open to uh, anything and everything at the end of the year. You've got his team, uh, granted, coming off a terrible loss over the weekend against uh, Carolina, but they're still in the hunt with three weeks to go to win a division title, crummy division, albeit. Uh, that can't be easy to walk through the door if you're the head coach and, and wondering, okay, what's my future? And, and at the same time, the player's looking around and going, ooh, this guy may not be around anymore. Well, my, Mike Smith, the previous one of the previous coaches, went through the same thing yep. and, and then finished well and went to the playoffs, but then lost the playoff game and they fired. So you, at this point, as an owner, you, you have, oops, sorry, you have, you have one of two choices. You either say, well, okay, yeah, we, we have to look at what's coming forward in the changes. And now the team's going, okay, well, this guy's probably not going to be here. So why should I respond to him? Why should I, you know, why should I continue on? Um, or you go, look, this is going to be my coach. So, you, and, and, and that's the positive way to go. Cause now the players go, okay, well, this is going to be the guy here next year. So I better perform well. I better, you know, be the good professional. Uh, or this guy's going to get rid of me. Um, so uh, Arthur Blank kind of walked down the middle and did neither. So he he hasn't gained any advantage, and and uh, uh, Arthur Smith's going to have to deliver. Or he's gone. Uh, last thing I wanted to ask you about. I don't I don't think it's any surprise, but the decision officially was made that Aaron Rodgers is not going to come back and play for the New York Jets uh, this season. Uh, he's had a remarkable uh, comeback in terms of that injury the very first game of the season. And many believe that he would be healthy enough to go out and play. But why subject him to that uh, and being out and, and ready to go and, and potentially, you know, get any kind of further injury? Um, you sit out a full year for Rodgers. Uh, as great as he is, is that a big deal if you're counting on him being the guy and they're counting on him being the guy in 2024? I don't think it's a big deal in the sense that it, it basically he's now had a whole year off of rest for his body. And that's an older body. So that's a good thing. Now, whether he still is going to be now injury prone because of the age, 
he can still deliver. He'll still be able to throw the ball. He'll still be able to orchestrate the things he does. Maybe not quite at his hall, you know, his his, his MVP level, but still good enough to win and be pretty good. So I think the year off, you could make the case for an older body. Um, that year off is a positive. Uh, and he's obviously through the rehab because there was the question of whether he could actually play. Yep. So it's not like he has an entire off season. It's different when if you have an injury and now you're facing an entire off season of rehab. Therefore, you can't do those things to, to the other things that you need to do to be healthy and play. Um, that's a legitimate question. But he's going to have an entire off season now to train, uh, be as healthy as a you know what is he a 62, 63 year old man can be, um, and and uh, uh, and that 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 part of it's going to be a positive. All right, last thing I wanted to ask you about, and I know you pay attention to this stuff. You know, around here, uh, and, and look, this happens everywhere, right? Uh, but but it's rare what Jake Browning is doing. It, it really is. It's unprecedented. It, I mean, it's incredible to watch what this young man, doesn't matter what you ask him to do, you know, blow for blow uh, with a team uh, down in Jacksonville, same thing against uh, – uh, Indy, and then you know, or then and then you're down two touchdowns to start the fourth quarter, and he leads you back, tie the game, fall behind again, leads you on a tough down touchdown drive with three minutes to go, wins in overtime. Uh, you know his numbers are just staggering. Um, in the long haul, do you know the Bengals have quote unquote control over him because of his youth in the league in terms of experience? Um, you know, behind the scenes, you know they're not going to ship off Burrow anywhere. He just signed some, you know, huge contract, and he's among the very best in the league. But but is this the kind of guy you would expect the Bengals to look to try to move when all is said and done and hope to get something sure. really good back for him? Yeah, absolutely. What sold, has sold me on Burrow, and I think you're absolutely right in your assessment, typically when you get the back end and we back up in, we see it throughout the rest of the league. Okay, well, guys, we've got to step up. We've got to play good defense. We've got to run the ball. Uh, have this guy on a 25-30 pitch count, and, and we're, maybe we're a good enough team to win with that. Um, and then what we typically see is the backup that gets hot and everybody's going, oh, okay, this guy's the real deal. Then when he's put in a situation where th those things don't happen, and particularly over a longer period of time, we start to see why he's a backup. We start to see the interceptions, the lack of productivity. Well, the first two games that he played, Cincinnati played to, to – to, Thief. You know, they ran the ball well, played good defense, and, and he was good. Well, this last game, they didn't. They didn't play good defense. Uh, Minnesota gashed, gashed him in the running game. They couldn't generate. The Bengals couldn't generate a running game. And he had to throw the ball over 40 times, and he delivered. Uh, explosive plays, uh, two touchdowns, uh, kept his completion percentage at 70%. Usually those are the things that start to fall off on a guy that's really not starter material over a long period of time uh, in a game where he has to throw the ball 40 times. Um, he did against Minnesota. So, yeah. And, and yeah, there, there's going to be trade value there because I think this guy, and he's going to have a couple more games to show it, obviously, uh, that someone's going to go, wow, we, we need a quarterback. You know, the aforementioned New England Patriots, uh, the Pittsburgh Steelers we just talked about. There's a lot of teams that are going to need a quarterback. Um, and, and do you take, you know, roll the, the dice on the draft and be 50-50 proposition whether that's right or not? Or do you take this guy going, yeah, he's shown us enough. What, what's that value? That's, it's amazing to watch what this guy's done. We'll see if he can get him in the playoffs, and that starts on Saturday in Pittsburgh. Brian, thanks for the time. Enjoy the sunshine in Arizona, my friend. And an early Merry Christmas to you, Kim, and the kids and the grandkids. To you as well. All right, thank you, buddy. Brian Billick, former Super Bowl winning head coach from the Baltimore Ravens. 
I mean, I know we're getting ahead of ourselves talking about, you know, a trade and all these. But, but, but look, guys, we know Browning, um, if it, whatever he does, the remainder of the season gets him in the playoffs, doesn't get in the playoffs, wins games in the playoffs, gets him to a Super Bowl, right? All of those things. Or none of those things could happen. But this is a young man who's been waiting around for a long time to get a chance to play. I would have to believe that at the end of the day, and again, there's so much going on between now and then, but, but, but just looking and don't think for a second that when he gets back at home that Jake Browning doesn't think about these things. Of course he does. He wants to be a starter in the National Football League, right? Mm-hmm. And at the end of this year, there's no way the Bengals – I'm not saying they're going to give him away. They won't do that, nor should they do that. But this guy deserves a chance to be a frontline starter based on just what we've seen for four games for somebody out there because Lord knows we have seen some brutal quarterback play out there this year. Undoubt- Listen, Tom, Jake Browning is, is living out and he's succeeding at something that hundreds if not thousands of quarterbacks and NFL players have just been begging for, and that's an opportunity to play. What was the, the story that Charlie Goldsmith told yesterday about how he was getting ready to take a coach's yeah, role, that's a right. GA role before the season started? Yeah, that's right. He gave up on the he was getting ready to give up on his dream, Tom, floating around the NFL practice squad to practice squad. And finally the Bengals give him a call and say, Listen, we'll we'll give you a shot. And Joe Burrow goes down and in four starts, they're three and one. He's living out his dream. And and, and to what you said about about how the Bengals would would absolutely give him up to give him a chance to start. Yeah, but you can't give him away for That's nothing. That's right. right and, and Bengals put a high price tag when it comes to trades. That's why they don't trade a whole lot is because they value what they have in-house. And if someone wants to meet whatever value that they're going to put on Jake Browning, then, yeah, you'd be dumb not to pull the trigger. If it's the same thing we were talking in the chat earlier, if it's the same price tag that they had on A.J. McCarron back in 2017, a second and a third round pick, <laughs> the Bengals would be idiots. Would be idiots not to get rid of Jake no Browning for a second it. and third round pick. No doubt about it. And, 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 and that's even saying if Jake Browning turns out to be a perennial pro bowler, right? If he goes somewhere else and is a perennial pro bowler, because based on what you know right now, he's floated around the league for five years. He's played well for four games. Yeah, you, you, you try and sell high with what you have. But it's, it's so – it's so at least maybe heartwarming in the, in the season of giving here in, in, in Christmas time <laughs> to see a guy who was getting ready to give up on his dream, yep, yep. get an opportunity to play, and he's succeeding. And now, based off what he's done for four games, he's going to be floating around this league. At the, at the very minimum, he's going to be floating around this league for another five years. No, you're right. I mean, that, that is a great point because let's face it, when, when he went into an, this year, right, and they bring in Trevor Simeon, and those two guys are battling for the backup job, right? Okay, they decide on Browning. But then they bring in the guy from Dallas. Remember that? A couple weeks into the Will regular Greer. season. Right. Will Greer. Right. They bring him Mountain. in. And, you know, look, uh, had Greer not been swooped up, it really makes you wonder where would we be now, right? They bring in McCarron. Okay, so – even if Burrow does, well, if Burrow doesn't get hurt and Browning doesn't get a chance to play, he's fighting for his dream to stay alive again mm-hmm. this time next year. No matter what happens this time, uh, it, 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 come, come training camp next year, based on what he's just done so far this year, he's guaranteed to be a backup in this league for yes. quite a while. And that's a damn good payday. 
gets paid like one of the top backups in the league. It's a really a great career. Cup. Couple yeah. couple million dollars, yeah. Think about that. He was getting ready yeah. to be a graduate assistant, which, if you guys don't know, they don't get paid. No, their payment is you get to get a master's degree. That's right, and you get to start your coaching career. That's your payment. You don't get money. They might give you a little stipend here and there, just to just to make sure that you have some money. But it's not like you're getting fifty thousand dollars, sixty thousand dollars. He was getting ready to just go go coach, and he gets one last shot. One last shot. They said, hey, we're going to have you fight for the backup role. And he doesn't win the backup role, Tom. He just doesn't lose it, right? It was between him and Will, Will Greer. And the talk all offseason was both these guys look absolutely atrocious. Yep. Jake Browning looks a little less atrocious. Yep. So we'll give it to Jake Browning. And here he is showing up, getting to play, admittedly, with, with great, great weapons and all this stuff. And he's going he's gonna to be in the league for years and years to come. He's going to make millions of dollars based off of these four games alone. Good I was, was going to talk about this in box lunch after this as well. I, I, I'm not looking to trade Jake Browning at all. And Everett kind of threw it in the chat earlier in the show. But it's true. We complained that the Bengals didn't take appropriate measures to acquire a decent backup quarterback. Backup quarterback, that's right. That's what we thought before the season. That's what I thought. That's what I was banging the drum for. Trace, on the other hand, shout out to Trace. He was right. He said, you know, in the NFL, anybody can be anybody. These are professional athletes. It's a fair point by him, and he ended up being right. Nobody's been more right in the world than him, outside of him, who started bringing up Drew Sample bits, and all of a sudden the guy's a part of the offense nonstop. Anyway, my point is, at some point, Joe Burrow is going to get hurt again. And, I, and that's not something I want to happen. That's just inevitably. Right? The past several seasons now, Burrow's gone down. He's missed time. I'm not saying it's his fault. I'm not saying I want it. I'm just saying it's, it, uh, it's, it's inevitable to happen. It's sports. It's football. It's the most dangerous game. Having Jake Browning now as a backup, who I know can prove that he is a, a very good backup quarterback and can be a serviceable starter quarterback in the NFL, I keep him at all costs. I don't know yeah. what we're talking about trading him. And, and Reed might say, well, you can just go replace a backup. Clearly you can't because that's what we thought at the beginning of the year. And maybe, maybe now you can because Jake Browning's been good. But my point is you have a good thing there. I, I'm not going out to trade him for his third-round pick. If, you, if, you, if someone offered the A.J. McCarron trade, which no one will, that's far too much value. Even the Browns, if, if you read into the story on that A.J. McCarron trade back in 2017, it's actually an incredible story that the owner of the Browns forced the GM to make the trade and the GM at the time sandbagged the whole thing so it couldn't go through in time. It's an incredible story. But if they want to trade a second and a third round pick, reminder that Montez Sweat was traded for a second round pick and Chase Young was traded for a late third round pick this year. So you're getting the same draft capital as what Montez Sweat and Chase Young got for Jake Browning. You'd, you'd be an idiot not to do that. And like I said, it might turn out that Jake Browning goes somewhere else, starts yep. Pro Bowl quarterback. But if someone offers a second and third round pick based on the information that you know right now, you've got to make the deal. We're getting all kinds of different people come in here, and I should know the answer to this question. But, I mean, some people are saying that the Bengals have control over him. Others are saying that he can become a free agent because of how much he's playing this year. He's an exclusive – oh, well, from what I understand, is he's an exclusive free agent. So he can only sign with the Bengals. So if we were going to trade him, we'd have to extend him. And sign and trade. Yeah, yeah, you'd have to sign, sign and trade. trade. Yeah, so he's not a true free agent, which is what we thought. We're talking about that all along, right? Right. Okay. Right. Unless you just outright release him, and then anybody's right. a free agent. Which, and obviously they're not doing that. Right. Which, to be fair, and I know it's making for, for, for great sports talk, that these are conversations we could have. That's right. We could have in the offseason yeah. right now. 
the main focus is can Jake Browning continue to do what he's been able to do? What Can the Cincinnati Bengals as a team continue to do what they've been able to do over the last three weeks on this three-game winning streak? And that is play good complementary football, run the ball, get it to their weapons, use T. Higgins to use his skill set. If Jamar Chase ends up playing, I don't know what's going to happen with Jamar Chase. How can you use him? How can you use all these weapons? Can you play good enough defense? Can you stop? You know, we were talking about Kenny Pickett, if he's going to play, or Mason Rudolph, who is going to get the start. <laughs> Zach Taylor has a terrible track record against backup quarterbacks. A terrible track record. Yeah. We just gave up 320 yards to yeah. Nick Mullins. That's right. C.J. Beathard comes in against uh, in the Jacksonville Jaguars game, and he marches it right down the field. Lou Anarumo in this defense has had a terrible track record. Mike, the Mike White game will live in the back of my brain well, of until I'm 95 years You're old. You're not so alone there. I'm, 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 I'm at my, my in-law, my, my wife's grandmother's house, who is the sweetest old lady in the world, has never heard a cuss word a day in her life, and I'm watching the Mike White game dropping F-bombs and, and MF-bombs. She hasn't spent a lot of time around you. That's right. That's right. I, it was a bad look, but that's what I felt right there. I'm, I'm worried to death about this game, Cooper Tom. Rush. Cooper Rush, that's a that, that's a good Cowboys team. That's another good that's another good pick. There was a there was a backup game this year, right? Yeah, uh, I, I'm gonna forget it. I'm off the top of my head, but yeah, I, I Zach Taylor against backup quarterbacks. Uh, is Tyler Huntley in the playoff game last year. Yep. Yeah, they Arguably won that should. game, but they won it. I guess barely. <laughs> uh, today is the um, National College Football Signing Day. Uh, and we were talking yesterday, you know, so far the early rankings have Georgia the number one class, Ohio State two, Alabama three. It's the same teams seemingly every single year. Texas is getting a bump for the kind of year they're having. Oregon's getting a little bit of a bump, especially in the transfer portal with what they're doing. There are players getting flipped left and right today, kids who made a commitment to one school. And then all of a sudden, the day of the signing comes around, you're allowed to start signing that. We heard Chuck Martin yesterday saying that uh, starting at 7 o'clock in the morning, uh, these young men can sign that national letter of intent to go where they said they were going to go. And all of a sudden, when you don't get that signature, if you were on you know, X this morning and, and you follow any school that you follow, it doesn't matter who it is, you know, Ohio State, UC, whatever it might be, you, you'll see all these you know, posts of every guy that has signed their letter starting at 7.01 this morning. Well, all of a sudden, you start getting to, you know, where are we, 11.30 in the morning, 12.30, 2.30 in the afternoon, and you don't have that signature from that dude who uh, said he was going to come. You heard Chuck Martin say yesterday, more times than not these kids, when they're going to flip, they don't even pick up the phone and call you. They're changing their mind. You read about it like everybody else does. Now, there are exceptions to that rule. There's no doubt. But could you imagine that? You're so, sitting there putting together a recruiting class. And you free, think you got A, B, C, and D. And all of a sudden, the morning comes around. There goes A. There goes C. Gone. Okay. <laughs> it's like free agency. It's, 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 I mean, it's NFL free agency is what you're seeing in college yeah. athletics. And apparently Miami of Florida, I, you know, look, it's Miami, right? I mean, sunshine, pretty girls, right? The, the whole deal, the you, you know, and they haven't been worth a hoot forever. They really have not been any good in the grand scheme of things for any amount of time consistently since Jimmy Johnson and, and that whole cast of characters came through there. Uh, after him was, uh, why am I drawing a blank on his name? Excellent, Der Dennis Erickson, uh, after Jimmy Johnson. Apparently, they, they are literally throwing money at everybody. 
I don't know if you saw the comments made by uh, Aaron, uh, the number one receiver in the country, wide receiver in the country, has signed to come to play at Ohio State. And he had a post on X yesterday where he came out and said, hey, my family raised me to be a, the kind of guy where I told somebody one thing, that's exactly what I'm going to do. But every time I, I, I look at my phone, I am being offered more money by Miami of Florida than I don't even know what to do with. <laughs> you imagine that? 17 years old, you're getting those texts I, from people saying, hey, dude, we can guarantee you got $2 million next year. Listen, Tom, if, if, I, I, if I was a 17-year-old kid, in all honesty, and I'm, you know, I'm a five-star recruit, and every school in the nation wants me to go, and my options are going to uh, South Bend, Indiana, mm. Columbus, Ohio, right, Nebraska, right, or my options are Miami, Florida, right. How in the hell do you not choose Miami, no Florida? Doubt. Well, it's funny. I remember one of my favorite Urban Meyer stories that he told me is when he was an assistant at Notre Dame, and you know he's like low man on the totem pole, right? Yep. Under uh, Lou Holtz back in those days when he first got started in coaching, and he talks about. Uh, trying to recruit at Notre Dame. And he said they put these three kids on a plane from Florida. And the recruiting window was this and this and this. And then one weekend something would come up where it looked like the weather was going to be bad once you got into November and their high school seasons were over, right? And they had to cancel the trip. And then they had to push it back two weeks because Notre Dame had something going on. Then they had to push it back two or three more weeks. because something. He said all of a sudden January hits. And he said he's standing there and the Notre, at the South Bend Airport. This wasn't a private plane deal. These were like these kids are getting on a plane in Pensacola and they're going through Atlanta and then they're going through Chicago to get to South Bend, right? right? And these guys are like 6'4", 285 pounds, 300 pounds. He says these – and so when the plane comes, they just have the stairwell. You're not walking from like the plane into the, you know, the little walkway thing where you're not exposed to the elements. And he tells a story that as he's pulling up about an hour before it hits him, that there's a good chance these kids don't own a winter jacket. And he said it's like 10 degrees snowing sideways. Plane lands somehow, some way. And these guys come walking down the steps, and you can see them through the, you know, the glass. This is pre-9-11 you know, days. You can just walk right in, pick up anybody, meet them at the gate, whole deal. Mm-hmm. And he said these three guys get off the plane. And he said they were the most miserable human beings he's ever seen. So he said he left the car running right out front, big SUV. He brought three jackets with him, gives him three jackets. And he said he knew the second they got in the car, they were going to spend the next 48 hours there, that he had zero chance <laughs> of having these guys come play at Notre Dame. None. It's Tom, it's, it's, I don't know how you, how you choose that school over, over any school in the South. Not even just Miami, Alabama. Georgia, yeah, Texas, Texas. I mean, like, if you're going to get more money and you're going to get better weather and you're going to be a 17-year-old girl, uh, 17-year-old guy, and I don't know if you've seen the TikToks of, of girls down at the <laughs> University of Miami, but it's probably a lot better, a lot better up there than uh, South Bend, Indiana at the University of Notre Dame. Good chance. Not to mention the academic standards you're, That's you're, true. you're forced I mean, to it's, have. It's, it's, you it's, can go to Miami, Florida. You don't have to show up to a single class. Right. 
Right. Not a single one. Well, the, the classes on the beach, you just you just, <laughs> you just get one of those pedal boats. You just get the pedal boat around, and, and there you go. You, you majored in engineering. You know how to <laughs> – That's right. That's right. But, you know, you look around, you look around, though, at the state of college football, and, and really, you know, you, you have Alabama and Georgia. Now, Florida State had a great year this year, but Miami's right. been nothing for a long time. Florida's been nothing for a long time, right? right? Texas had its first really good year in a long time. I remember Colin Cowherd years ago was saying how in five or ten years from now, all the good football schools are going to be in the South for all the reasons you just said. Everything you just said. You take a look at it, it's not the case. You still have Ohio State. Mm-hmm. You still have Michigan better than they've been in, in, in forever, sure, right? Sure. You still have uh, Washington and Oregon are not good weather schools. In fact, they are brutal. Yeah. They're even more Golden brutal rains. in the winter just in terms of we get these cloud covers around here that seemingly never leave. But we've had, you know, I mean, last take the last two weeks. We've had a lot of sunshine the last two weeks. Sure. I used to go up to Seattle in the wintertime all the time when I was doing the video games for Microsoft. And I'm going to tell you what, man. You can see why the suicide rate is off the charts in Seattle compared to – because, man, when you get there in the winter, it is brutal. Not that cold, but it's brutal. Well, even in the summer, it rains all the time. Right? Well, like it's well just, in it's the summer, you can have some good spots. But, but it's just, I mean, you, know, you have good spots in the summer everywhere, right? Sure. But, I mean, you know, to What's think that all of a sudden, all the migration, and, 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 and it, that, that all of a sudden, you know, the Arizona states of the world and some of these places, they're not, they're not football powerhouses. And we talked about Florida and Miami. Florida State had a good year this year. But, uh, you know, look, I, you got to go somewhere for all. Every kid has a different priority. Uh, I still think, you know, you look at certain places, right? And this was a story on Lincoln Riley at Oklahoma before SC and Ryan Day at Ohio State is that if you were a quarterback, you were going to go there and you were going to get the best quarterback coaching in the country, guy after guy. I'm not talking about pro quarterbacks, I'm talking about college quarterbacks, Mm -hmm. right? I mean, Ohio State had six years in a row – where they had one of the five finalists for the Heisman Trophy, right? So you had Haskins, you had Fields, you had uh, Stroud, all these guys, right? right? Oklahoma, same thing. Baker Mayfield, among many, many, many others. But, but, you know, you look now, and, man, I I just don't know what it would be like to be a head coach right now. College basketball, did you watch the UC game last night? Unfortunately, I did. Your thoughts on that? UC basketball. Patty give a dog a bone. UC basketball right now is unfortunately at a place where I, I don't know what the team is. I don't think they have an an identity. I, and you might say, well, give the ball to Victor Lockin. Victor Lockin down low. Victor Lockin's okay, but the th- he it seems like he's always looking to pass first. It, it just seems like. And my buddy Zach was at the game. He was giving me a rundown of what it was, and it was a disaster. They had 18 turnovers, Tom. 18 turnovers against a team that sucks. I'm not going to try to be – I'm not going to try to – Stetson is not a good basketball program. Oh, I mean, Stetson's this week. Last night was Merrimack. Sorry, Merrimack – Some people so, say Merrimack make is, the NCAA tournament. I'm just saying. Merrimack is not a good basketball team. Okay. I, I apologize. What? You go from Merrimack to the Mad Hatters of Stetson. Well, it's just like this – They this play schedule, this week. This schedule is such a joke. This – I, I, again, I understand why it was done. You don't know what's going to happen when you get to the Big 12. You didn't want the fan base to experience just an absolute slaughter of a season. 
but they're not good, man. I, I 18 turnovers against Merrimack? What are we doing, guys? And again, Reynolds has been he's he's just he's just getting into things. I think he's going to be good. But it was brutal last night watching him turn the ball over left and right. We got Odio Guama. He can't put the ball back up in the basket when he's down low. I love this team. I think they're a good they're a good team. They're capable of getting to the tournament. They are. I firmly believe that they play their best. But Dan Skillings seems to be nowhere. I don't know where he is. Jizzle yeah, James, no kidding. Jizzle James only had four points last night. Dayday Thomas had seven. 18 turnovers can't happen when you're playing Merrimack at home. You can't happen. And I, I know spreads don't matter when you're thinking a, a win is a win is a win is a win. But you were 20-point favorites at home. You win the game by 15. It's not a good game. It's just straight up not a good game. I know you were, I know you were down the, the, your prime rebounder in Aziz. I know your three-point shooter, C.J. Frederick, wasn't playing. But there's just got to be other guys that can contribute. You can't you – can't, I mean, it, it, it wasn't a good game, Tom. But in the end – they won the game, so what the hell am I complaining about? Are you scared that the season has completely turned around since the hit-and-run accident on, in Clifton? Some are saying. I mean, some are saying that. I'm not going to completely say that. The blue blob driving a car I, around. I'm not going to say it was a Xavier person that did it, but you, you would have to wonder. You'd have to wonder because ever since then, it has been not great. The season's been in shambles. To a couple of bad losses. I, I, I excuse Xavier because it always happens. I excuse Dayton because that game was a home court advantage for Dayton. And somehow that's, <laughs> that game being on the schedule is crazy too. Uh, a neutral game against a, a, good, a good team that travels well is wild. But to each their own. Now, now, now it's not cutting Tom, as Tom says. You start this conference schedule with five of, six, of, the, five of the six teams you play right off the bat ranked. Yep. Some of them in the top ten. Yep. So they got to go. Wes Miller isn't on the hot seat. But the seat no, is luke, a couple years. The seat is lukewarm. He's got after this. He this has, year's got one year. He's got this year and the next year. Correct. And then, then they got to then they got to do something. What's the ceiling for UC? It's a tournament team. You can win a tournament game with this team. I so you're saying like a nine a nine seed. Yeah, nine like nine seed. It, nine seed. Yeah, you can you can. I firmly believe this team is good enough to win a tournament game if they play up to their potential. They beat Georgia Tech at home by 30. 30. Georgia Tech's beaten. They've beaten three ranked teams since then. I'm not going to say they're a great win, but I, I, there, there's, there's a, this team is capable of winning games, of playing up to their potential. They just haven't done it for three weeks now. Well, I tell you what, the, the, the whole 60 in the net. Yeah, but they beat a couple of really good teams. Three ranked right teams. About that. Do they beat Duke, Mississippi they State? Are, they are right between the University Villanova? of Texas, Arlington, and uh, LaSalle in the net. There you go. LaSalle, juggernaut. Um, GCL. What's that? GCL. GCL. That's right. That's exactly right. The Lancers, the fighting Lancers, the fighting Lancers. Um, but you know, but 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 the, the, the whole Reynolds thing is going to because look, they didn't have Bandego last night, right? Reynolds gets eleven rebounds, seven points. I mean, you know, he's played two games now. He's rolling the dice, as we've talked about. We're going to know a lot more on December the twenty seventh. Basically, he has said, "I'm all in, or my career is over. I'm rolling the dice," because they said that. If you step on the floor, they, the NCAA, during the time of this 14-day temporary restraining order, if you step on the floor, if we come back and win this thing, then uh, eligibility is over. They're a different-looking team with him out there. And, he, and he's only two games into playing. I think know, he's going to be good. He's going to be good. Talented guy. And, and up front, they could be something, really something. 
but they still can't. They, they, the skilling saying, you're right. There is a cat that appears to have lost all of his confidence. He is such a dynamic slasher, take it to the basket kind of a player. I really like his game. He's only a sophomore. But, man, he looks like he's just lost all confidence, and they need him. Need him. And they need Frederick to start making shots from downtown. He didn't play last night, tight didn't hamstring. Uh, he came in here, two-time transfer, Iowa, Kentucky. Now here he is. They brought him in here to be able to knock down threes. They need somebody to knock down threes. You don't reminds, have to live remi- and die with a three, but you got to make some. Yeah, he reminds me of Gabe Matson a couple years ago. They brought him in just to shoot threes. He just didn't make them. C.J. Frederick's going to play about 25 minutes, and in that time, if he's not making threes, he's literally contributing nothing. He's not a great defender. He comes in there to shoot threes, make baskets. He's, he's struggled to do that yet. Now, he's still shooting good. That He started out on fire. He's still shooting, I think, 50% from three. It's, he's, it's just these past several games haven't been great. Um, Xavier tonight. They're playing St. John's. Thank you, Mouse Cop. They're playing St. John's. Mm-hmm. Uh, matchup for the first time, as we mentioned, ever between Sean Miller and Rick Patino as head coaches. They met when uh, Miller was an assistant coach, back when Patino was both at um, Kentucky and Louisville. Mm-hmm. But now you go head-to-head. I mean, look, uh, you, you know, in, in, in some ways, Xavier is ahead of a rebuild because they lost so many players from last year, and then the injuries yep. to Hunter and Fremantle going into this year. They're ahead of where St. John's is, but the game is at St. John's. Xavier hasn't been great. They have played up to their competition. They've played down to their competition, right? Mm-hmm. And we saw last night Marquette just got blown out of the gym last night by Providence. So, you know, they're ranked sixth in the country. And maybe when all's said and done, they got a talented team. But I don't think Marquette's any world beaters. But, but look, it's talented. little things like this where now all of a sudden, I mean, I don't know where Xavier is going to be at the end of the year in, in terms of competing for the Big East Championship. But I do know this. The more games Marquette loses are the more times you have a chance to win. Right? So, you know, all of a sudden you got a game against St. John's, go win the game. Right, listen, there's, there's three teams in the Big East right now that are ranked in the top 12. UConn, obviously, the national. And, and they re- look like Rainy national champs. They're dang good. Yeah. Marquette has so much talent. Creighton has a lot of talent. Those are all teams. But the, the losses look so bad. The losses that they took at home look so bad, right? For, they do. And the good thing is, the good news is, is the season's not dead because you play in one of the best basketball conferences in the league. When we talk about this with UC, all they got to do is have a good record going into the going into league play, and then if they go 500, they're a tournament team. Now Xavier's obviously got to do a little bit better than that. They got to have some big wins to counteract the bad losses that they've had. But it starts right here, and then then this is this is almost the perfect game that you want to start conference play against. St. John's, well coached team. On the road, you play up to the competition that, that you play to, and sometimes you play down to the competition. This is a nice, solid team, middle-of-the-pack Big East team that's going to be coached well. Can Xavier show up? Can they have a good game on the road? They're six-point underdogs. They're not, they're not playing at Madison Square Garden anymore. They're playing at Saint, they're playing at Carneseca Arena in Queens. So can Xavier do this? Can they have a good showing to, to open up the Big East? It starts right here. And I asked uh, Elia what the ceiling was for uh, this UC team, he said, 8-9 seed. When I look at Xavier, I thought all season long or all preseason long, and now what's the ceiling for a Xavier team? It's going to be floating right around the bubble. 
Can they can they just scratch themselves in? Can they have a good Big East tournament to to propel them into the postseason? And if if you if you lose a game like that, it, it becomes tougher and tougher to uh, to get into the the tournament. But it, it starts tonight. It's going to be a good one. Oliveri's been damn good for Xavier. I don't know, I, I don't know if that kid was supposed to be as good as he is. I know he was highly recruited uh, by everybody, but I, he's been he's yep. been the the shining light for Xavier. He's going if they were to make a run, it's going to be led by him. That kid's a stud. And I think if Xavier were to win this game, they'd be right back on track. I mean, I'm not going to say you can't. I'm not right back on. Oh, I think gotta, so. you, you got to win some. St. John's on the road. St. John's on the road is. That's a good, is, that's a good win. There's no doubt about it. But, like, it, it comes like you, they've got to they gotta have a win to counteract the bad losses they have. And those wins would be against, like, a team like UConn, would be against a team like Creighton, would be against a team like Marquette, the, these top top-ranked teams that are going to be in national contenders. Um, so those wins got to happen. But you're, you're absolutely right. Listen, Xavier's team, they had one guy that saw significant time last year. One guy, and now they got to go play in the Big East. Des Claude was the only guy that starts for this team that had any, any time on the floor. Yep. Obviously, Zach Fremantle thought he was going to come back hurt. Jerome Hunter can't play this year. All these things considered, if if – if they can win tonight on the road, Big East game, first Big East game for all these players, except for Des Claude, against one of the best coaches the sport's ever seen. No doubt. And that's the sport entirely, college right. and pro game. Right, that's right. That's right. No doubt about yeah. it. What, yeah. number, what number gets Xavier in? Because I think UC's number right now is 19. Wins. 19 wins in the Big 12, I firmly believe, gets you in the tournament. Well, I think they've Z- won nine already, right? They have Eight won nine, nine already. They've they won nine. To- so you're saying if they, win, if they win 10 more games the rest of this season, yep. right? So you've got, I think, one more out-of-conference game, Stetson is Friday night. Then you're, you're, you're launching into every game the rest of the way is in the conference, yep. right? You're saying they get to 19, they're in. Yes. I agree. I think 19 puts you in. I think, I think I, yeah. I think that might be one game above or below 500 in the Big 12, which is fine. Every year the Big 12 has a team that gets under 500 yeah. and yeah. gets in. Yeah. Because it's think, the best conference in college. Well, you look at West Virginia this year, and, and uh, you know, look, we saw Dayton dismantle UC, right? St. John's played Dayton in Dayton within seven so far this year, 88-81. They beat Utah, not a bad team. They beat West Virginia, who's not what they were uh, here post-Huggy Bear. Uh, they lost to Boston College. I don't know if they're any good or not. So, you know, the, the jury's out on St. John's. We're about to find out a lot. For them, they have to play Xavier uh, tonight, and then Saturday they go to UConn. So good luck. Good luck. But, but they, got, they got Patino, whether you like him or don't like him, dude is unfreaking believable when yeah. it comes to coaching basketball. What did he do the last two years at Iona? And got him the tournament. Would you put him on the, the Rushmore of, of basketball coaches? Ooh. He's right there. He's right? right there. I mean, you know, when you're talking about college, you know, you got, you got Knight, you got Krzyzewski, you got Wooden, you got Dean Smith. Mm-hmm. Those are your top four. And then after that, you could get an argument about a lot of guys after that. I mean, Jim Beheim's got a ton of wins. I wouldn't put him there. Huggy Bear's got a ton of wins. I don't know if I could put him there. Izzo? Uh, Izzo's got a ton of wins. Don't know. Patino, I think, has won, what, two national championships, one of which was vacated at Louisville? That's correct. Yep. He won one at Kentucky, one at Louisville. Um, yeah, I mean, he's yeah, – that's, that's big time. I know some of the U.K. fans. Who keeps beating me down about just saying Kentucky? Parker Blake. He just wants me to say Kentucky. I talk about <laughs> Cal all the time Who's here. Who's the coach at Kentucky? I'm still coach waiting. Cal. I'm still waiting on somebody. Listen, Parker, don't bring it up anymore. 
I've reached out to the powers that be, okay? Three or four times. They always get back to me, but they never get back to me that Cal's coming. Okay? So you, you, you've now had your 15 seconds of UK. If Cal doesn't come on, I'm not going to beat him down uh, because he never told us he was going to come on and then not come on. We reserve that for others. You guys were in your computers, didn't pick that up. I got it. I heard it. Okay. Uh, Mailbag. We have, we, have a, we have a mailbox? Yeah. Let's get to the song. I haven't heard it in so long. Here we go. We just got a letter. We just got a letter. We just got a letter. I wonder who it's from. Well. Hey, everybody. How's it going? It's time for the letter. Letter of the day. All right. Now, today's mailbag comes from sweet little Chris. Uh, from Mrs. Kringle's class. Now, Chris and his friends planned a Christmas party before school was let out for Christmas break. Chris and his other second-grade friends, Rudolph and Jack Frost, have been suspended indefinitely oh. for adding additional oh, no. they, for ad- adding additional rum in the eggnog. Oh. The teachers were Love unaware. It. The teachers were unaware of what was going on until they kept singing Dominic the Donkey on repeat for four and a half hours. They wouldn't stop. Do you think the school should show mercy during this holiday season and let these kids get back to class after the break? Because it is Christmas break, so they don't have to go to school, but they have been suspended indefinitely. For putting rum in the eggnog. For putting rum in the eggnog. Too much. What grade are they in? Second. <laughs> Second grade. You know, there's something to be said for learning a lesson at a younger age I than agree. at a later age. I can't agree Okay. More. Right? I mean, some of us, you know, we learn a lesson in our 50s that maybe we wish we'd have learned in second grade. So I say, let them back. Right? right. Mercy. Let them back. Right. But see, what we don't do anymore, and if you really want to make sure somebody doesn't do it again, and I mean, God forbid we can't do this to any child anymore. Back in the old days when they stuck you in the corner with a dunce cap on. <laughs> do you ever wish you that You get could- humiliated like that. You won't be pouring rum in the eggnog anymore. Do you ever wish that you could stick some of us in the corner and put a dunce cap on us? Who would be the biggest early? dunce? Me or Reed? If you had to put a dunce cap, who would, who would wear the I tallest cap? I think we cap? know the winner of that. I don't think I do. I think we do. I, think, I don't know. If we I do. think we do. Casey, who would you pick? If we had to pick a Walter dunce cap for either one of those guys, <laughs> oh, man. who would probably get the nod? Is there an option for two dunce caps in That's the corner? No, no. Good each, question, Casey. We're each wearing a dunce cap, but one of our dunce caps is just a little bit higher. Who's wearing the higher cap? Nobody's leaving the studio to, today until you tell us. Hmm. What do you think? Maybe Sean Connor can weigh in. I don't know, Tom. It's a tough, tough, tough question. Let's answer. throw it out there to those of you in the chat right now. <laughs> Blackmore the, says it's without biggest? doubt Elliot the jackass donkey. That's true. Then again, Sean says, buy stock in Captain Mouse Rum. That's our co-worker, Sean Sean Connor. He's just right outside the studio. Jolly Jolly's back today. He says dueling dunces. Right? Here's the thing, Tom, is is typically whenever we put a poll out that uh, revolves around me or Elliot, because Elliot is is rightfully so much more popular in the chat than I. No, I wouldn't say that. he He wins every single poll. But this is kind of a negative one. Yeah, this would be interesting. Because so I'm, I'm, I'm interested in to see who wins this, this, this poll. 
Early votes are for Elliot. I'll tell you that. The, the, votes are, the votes are in for Elliot. They are flying in. Why, why, why would somebody say I just threw Casey in front of the bus? I gave Ch- Casey a chance. He came up with a great line about dueling dunks. Yes, game on. How did I throw him in front of the bus? Who just said that? Dueling dunces. You think we could start a bar like those dueling piano bars and you just. Those you were and, sweet back you, in the day. You and me just go back to back, just being dunces. That's basically yeah, what the show is. <laughs> yeah, I think we could start our own show. It's just it's just the dunce day. And you just come in, you listen to us. Yeah. It'd be good. There we go. Well, that's on Box Lunch. So if you're not a member, you could become Ooh. a member and watch that live. Wow. Which reminds us, guys, if you are watching the show and you're not already a subscriber, go ahead. Click subscribe. See that little bell? Hit that. It'll let you know when we go live. If you like the stream, we would greatly appreciate that as well. We only have, I'm only seeing 18, but I haven't refreshed my page in a while. How many likes do we have? I think we've got 60. We've got 60. 62 likes. In where? On our YouTube channel. Sometimes you've got to refresh it. Okay. All right. Okay. On on this this stream. Okay. So 62. Okay. All right. I've been wondering why the other day we were at like seven. I'm like, well, what happened here? You got to refresh. And we had hundreds of people, thousands of people watching. Hundreds of thousands. Hundreds of thousands. Thank That's you. Right. And it, really right now, though, it's getting tight. 59-41. I figured, I, I, I really didn't know how this was going to go. I really didn't know. I think I knew how it was going to go. I think it's clear it was me. You think Big League Paul would win if we threw him as a third member on that? Yeah, I think he would. Quitter Paul, you Quitter call Paul. him. I don't call him. You that. call him that. No, I don't. You actually were the first one to call I him I was that. never the first you one You called call me as that. soon as he quit, and he said, hey, Elliot, you'll never believe you just quit. <laughs> Quitter Paul. And then you hung up the phone, and then I and I couldn't believe what you just said, but I, I, I it registered in my brain. That's what we call him now. Quitter Paul. Uh, anything else anybody want to get off their chest here in the last 10 minutes? We do have – so the cherry on top is going to be my top five. You alluded that you wanted to talk about our uh, our Christmas plans. This isn't per se my Christmas plans, but I did – I'm very excited about this Saturday when the Bengals play, Tom. I'm yes. Having, I'm having my friends over. Oh, yeah. I'm having my so friends. So we'll all be there. Elliot, you'll be there. Elliot, Tom, would you like to come? This I was getting ready to this? invite you. What is this? He's going to be out of town. But this Saturday, I'm having my friends over, and, and we're going to have ourselves a regular Ohio University kind of a night. My wife what, bought Trulies? me a kegerator. My, my wife bought me a kegerator a couple years ago. Kegerator? What is a kegerator? It is a, a fridge for a keg. Oh, okay, okay, okay. Yeah, okay, it's a tap. Okay. Beer tap. Yeah, I mean, okay. And I'm going to get myself a, a, a half barrel of only the finest Pilsner in the land, natural light. Beautiful. And we're going to have ourselves a beautiful little Christmas. Love party. it. It's going to be a lot of fun. We're going to watch the Bengals beat up on the Pittsburgh Steelers. So I was Love excited about that. It. Love it. But it should be a lot of fun. All right, guys. Uh, we'll, we'll go ahead and go into my top five as we do every Ooh. Wednesday. It's Reed's top five. Here we go. And we've had a lot of fun recently doing these top fives. We've had some good ones. And I like to keep it kind of – ooh, ooh, ooh. We're going back and forth. I like to keep it kind of in theme to what's going on in the city. Uh, and, and the Queen City, the city that never sleeps, Cincinnati. Brotherly love. And uh, the, the city of brotherly sleep. <laughs> the city of brotherly sleep. So in honor of Jake Browning going 3-1 and one yep. as a starting quarterback of the Cincinnati Bengals, I thought, what are the top five backups in the history of this city, Tom? The top five backups top in the history. Top five backups. Okay. Yep. And this could be any sport? This could be anything. Okay. Any sport, anything. Anything in life. And we're going we're gonna to jump right into it. Okay, let's go. Coming in at number five is the backup that everyone wanted to kick out of town. Everyone thought this guy was a dud. 
They wanted him out. Former second overall pick, it's Nick Senzel. Listen, when you ask for a backup, guys, you ask for a guy that can play any position. You, you put him in there, and he shows up. Left-handed pitcher coming on the mound. Nick Senzel just knocks it out of the park. And what happened? What happened? Another team came up, and they swooped Nick Senzel right from underneath the Cincinnati Reds. So Nick Senzel was the fifth best back. I mean, any, any position on the field. That's right. Play him. He just came in back up. We're going to switch sports, but we're going to keep it here in the city. Okay. Coming in at number four is the guy, the reason of the season. It's Jake Browning. Listen, I – Number four? Yeah. Yeah, Tom. That's how good this list is. Earlier this year, I said some disparaging things about Jake Browning, as did Elliot, as did a lot of people in this room, because I, I didn't – I, had, I didn't have a whole lot of faith. We never seen him play. That's right. I've now seen him play, and the goods are there. The goods are good. Three and one as the starter. Hopefully yep. he can make it four and one against the Pittsburgh Steelers. The Cincinnati Bengals don't have a whole lot of success against the Pittsburgh Steelers, but it's his second ever start. Maybe he'll show out a little better. Jake Browning coming in at number four of the top five backups here in this city's history. We're going to keep it in this sport. Okay. I don't think a whole lot of people recognize – what this guy did for this city. You might remember back in the Brian Kelly days of the University of Cincinnati Bearcats football. Who was the big quarterback, the big name? Tony He's, Pike. Tony Pike, Tony that's Pick, right. Some call him. Tony Pike was fantastic. Ended up being an NFL quarterback. But yep. what people don't remember that year that they went to the Orange Bowl. Yeah, the year that they took on Tim Tebow. I did that game. It was a Sugar Bowl. Sugar Bowl. Apologize. It was the Orange Bowl the year before. You called that. You called that one. But I called both of those games really? for Fox, the but Orange Bowl and the Sugar Bowl. People don't realize that that year they needed the Bearcats needed a backup, and who else backed up but Zach Kolaris? People great might pick. not realize this, but this Zach Kolaris is maybe the best quarterback that has ever gone through the University of Cincinnati. He is a Canadian football legend. Yes, he is. Professional career out the wazoo. Zach Kolaris, some might even say, I'm not going to say it, but some might even say, played better than Mr. Pike that year. He was out of Steubenville, Ohio, and yes, he, is be, he is considered by many to be, if not the best, one of the three best players in the history of the Canadian football league. He's been fantastic. He has been, and still going strong. Still going strong. Zach Kolaris okay. showed up, and he was a backup. Coming in at number two, listen, one of the darkest days in this city's history happened about, I don't know, seven years ago. The pride of the Cincinnati Zoo was gunned down. Harambe. Oh, God. Undeservedly so. There we go. Lost his life. We're going to get killed now. And now no, they, needed a, they needed a backup. They needed a backup to be the face yes. of the Cincinnati Zoo. Yes. Fiona the Hippo. Coming in at number two, Fiona the Hippo. Fiona brought the juice back, I will agree. That's yeah, right. Brought the juice back. There is, listen, Tom, I don't want to spoil my Christmas present to you, but I got you tickets to go see Fiona the Hippo the musical. Would love it. Down at, down at, down I'm at all the in. Cincinnati I'm all musical. in. I love musicals. And I love a, Fiona, a so it's a good combo. What do you think some of those songs would be? Uh, I don't know. But Fiona the Hippo, thank you for backing up our sweet, beloved Harambe. Fiona. Coming in at number one. The best backup in the history of this town. It's not your first choice, but it might be the better choice. That's Gold Star Chili. Yes. Gold Star <laughs> Chili. All they have done is been there for you when you yep. need them most. That's right. Skyline's the official sponsor of the Cincinnati Reds. Yep. What have they done? Not a whole lot. 
Skyline's the official sponsor of the University of Cincinnati Bearcats. What have they done? Not a lot. Skyline's the official sponsor of the Xavier Musketeers. Centos Center, what have they done? Not a lot. Nope. Gold Star was the official sponsor of the Cincinnati Bengals. They took us to a Super Bowl. They took us to an AFC Championship right. game. They then switched their sponsorship over to Skyline. And what happens? Joe Burrow misses half of the year. They go 5-5. Five and five. Now the season's still alive. Who knows? But I know if we had Gold Star, Super Bowl hopes would still be alive. Got to tell you, that's one. That is the single best pick on any of your top five you have ever made. I agree. Thank you. Thank you. That was a really good pick, Reed. That was a good. Really good. Thanks pick. for we 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 workshop these. That was we a really good pick. These. By Reed. That was that was Reed's best pick ever. I agree. Elliot Elliot <laughs> Elliot helped out. We, we you know some of our bits. We 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 group source. We 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 crowdsource. That was big league right there though, because you. you're right. When, when you need them, I mean, for years and years, anybody that used to hit the town in Mount Adams, among other places in town, but I happen to be living up there, they were right there in the corner there, open mm-hmm. till about 3A. That's right. Wasn't a skyline there. You come stumbling, bumbling, rumbling out of one of the <laughs> joints up there. Right. About 2A. There they are. Right. Ready well, to serve it up. Not your first choice. Well, it's it your was better, your first choice. But it's your better choice. Because they were choice. there. The they choice. were there. Right. You know, you know what Gold Star kind of reminds me of? Well, Skyline kind of reminds me of those private schools, right? The biggies. It does. The, it does. The Miami Universities. That's right. The, the, the GCLs, the Elders, That's the LaSalle's. Right. Not so much the Batons, but the, G, the, the, the Elders and the LaSalle's <laughs> and the Molers. Gold Star, that, that's, that's the everyman spot. That's the everyman it spot. It is. It is. Yep. And we wish them well. I've thought about them from time to time, about kind of what's going on with them. Because hmm. they've been around here a long time. Yeah. They've been around a long time. All I right. wish somebody else would think of them. Jolly Jolly likes Gold Star. Business. Local Hamilton guy. Well, used to be. He's forgotten all about it. Well, well, the- let's make no mistake about it. Jolly Jolly can profess because he grew up here and all that other stuff and his family in the restaurant business here in Hamilton, right? Friends with a lawnmower man, right? Has, you know, he, he's got connections everywhere from City Hall to whatever. He knows where all the bodies are buried, or his family does. He's not a Hamilton guy anymore. Here's the thing. He's about, an L.A. guy. Here's the thing about Jolly Jolly, Tom, is if he's going to get a Coney here when he's back in town, he's not going to go to Skyline. He's not even going to go to Gold Star. He's going to go to Jolly's. Best coney in town, Tom. Get a nice mug of root beer. Get a foot long cheese coney. It's the best. It's the best chili in town. Have you had one of those, Elliot? One of those foot long cheese conies? No, I'm good. We got to go down there and get one of those. I don't think so. Close for the season. Oh, they are. Close for the season. Okay. Jollivet's okay. very busy. Well, down the Jolly way. Jolly is uh, the Jolly foot long. He that's all fine and dandy. And look, he's with all the highbrow crowd, that Fox crowd out in L.A. Right. Right. Land of fruits and nuts and all that stuff, right? Mm-hmm. I mean, he's out there. A lot there, of nuts. No doubt. And, uh, and he's just hanging out out there, and good for him. That's right. I mean, he has made his way out there from Hamilton to Ohio, one of the great success stories. And I say that with utmost sincerity. He really is. Good for Jake Jolivet. All right. Um, we're in the last minute, so uh, any big tease? Uh, Wednesday means that you are the host today, That's correct, right. Elliot? That's right. Right, a boxed lunch? Yep. Okay, and? 
So what I was going to do today, I have my I have my whole show planned, but maybe if Casey's okay with it, Casey's kind of the showrunner here. Yeah. He's the man in charge. I was going to maybe, since I'm not going to be here Friday, maybe do a special one-time edition of Quiplash at the end of the show today on Box Launch, which is very... Are you familiar with this? Quiplash? Quiplash. So this is a game we play on Box Launch. Okay. It gets the whole chat involved, and basically uh, it throws out prompts, and we vote... And, and us, being the people who are playing the game, we write funny answers... And then the other people who didn't write that specific answer vote for it, and whoever wins wins the game. Beautiful. It's a very we play it every Friday on Casey's host day. Okay, it's very very fun. Okay, but since we're not here, are we here Friday or no? We will be You're here not. Friday. I'm not here Friday. Elliot, they will be here Friday. Elliot's going to take an, an elongated Christmas break. Yes. yes. I well, you know, I I I was told I would get a certain amount of vacation days, and I'm I wanted teasing, to use one Friday. I'm teasing. I'm teasing. I'm teasing. I, I just I, wanted no to one use, takes I, more vacation than I do. So I just wanted to use a vacation day. I, listen, I, I'm sorry. If, if, if they would like to revoke my vacation day, that's okay. So if Sean Connor wants to come in here and tell me, uh, he can go ahead and do so. Nice. <laughs> okay. All right. All right. Uh, Casey, have a great rest of the day. How you'll navigate through the next hour, I don't know. Yeah, dunce one and dunce two over there. Yeah, that's exactly. The co-dunces. Yeah. Ooh, right? Elliot's the biggest dunce. Uh, what was the percentage? 59%. is what I'm seeing. That's the final? Yep. Do you yep. agree with those results, Tom? I think that's about right. I do. I, I think that's about right. Okay. Yes, there I do. I do. Oh, it's nice to see Molly back. Nice to see you, Molly. Nice to see you. All right, everybody, have a great rest of your day. Box lunch coming up next. Here we go.